Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Bamog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're fucking dudes up. And yeah, maybe we get fucked up too at the end, but we're putting asses in seats as we watch spine number 105 in the Criterion Collection, Stanley Kubrick's Spartacus from 1960. But first, RJ, you feeling, you got your pump on? You feeling it? You. <laughs> You when when did you come up with that? No. What were you listening to that you were you heard someone say that they were getting their pump on? Isn't that what like I don't know? That's what the that's what the kids say these days. That's not something anybody says ever. <laughs> that's what not, they, uh, oh, not oh. even when they had those pump shoes. No one said that. You're just gross. Oh come on! Before we started, Jarrett was talking about slamming stuff in people's mouths and gag reels for the show and things like that. If you want access to uh, the unedited version of Gar- uh, yeah, Garrett Duncan's <laughs> uh, After Dark Have another podcast, drink. I haven't even had one yet. I just got home. <laughs> but it, I'm, I'm, putting a, I'm putting something out there. If people want access to the After Dark, the things that get edited out, maybe that can be a Patreon uh, exclusive. For $8 a month, you can hear the extra eight minutes that we talk outside of the podcast. Yeah, you know what? You, since you brought up Patreon, I was thinking, I'm like, what? hey, thanks people who are giving to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash criterion creeps. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for anyone who emails in too. We usually talk about that at the end of the show because I know people don't want to listen to that stuff. But in case you don't listen and you are one of those people, thanks. Thanks for keeping us afloat. <laughs> so uh, you watch any of that NCAA basketball this last weekend? No. <laughs> Well, I'm going to talk about it, okay? Because I know you're going to be no. talking about... I know Jared's going to be talking about that WrestleMania next week, which uh, is... Two two weeks. Two weeks, which is, as people know, I'll only let him talk about it three times in a year. So I'm going to talk about my sports. If you remember, Jared, <laughs> I, didn't agree I told to you that I get four teams out of the draw, 16 people, everyone gets four teams, and I had two teams left, Villanova and uh, Loyola Chicago. The Cinderella story. And they're both still in, baby, in the final four, so I'm doing good. It's pretty impressive. It's like, okay, picture this. Who is like a real chomp in the wrestling world? Um, Like if you had 16 guys in rank and he was number 11. Ooh. Hmm. Let's go with uh, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler? So that's like this guy getting the title shot in a fatal four-way with like the Undertaker, John Cena, and Braun Strowman. That's so, what that's what that team is for see, me. Yeah, but but then that's like but that's fake. <laughs> and it would be like, holy crap! I don't want to watch that. Why the hell is this guy here? This guy didn't mm-hmm. earn it. Whereas in legitimate sports, uh, mm-hmm. things happen. And it's way more exciting when it's like, oh, this is an actual underdog rather than hey, we're 
just telling you, this is an underdog. Oh, when it's it, an underdog, all right, baby. Yeah. It's a Cinderella story. They shouldn't be there, and they're doing great. And uh, I just want to bring it up because I only watch this basketball during the tournament. I'm not like I would never pretend that I'm actually a fan. But, uh, you know, it's been pretty entertaining, Jared. A lot of upsets. Especially when you're gambling. Especially when you're gambling. There's yeah, money, there's money there's on the money, line. Yeah, exactly. When there's money on the yeah. line, stakes are different. You, everyone, everyone gets involved. Yeah, exactly. So I've been doing that, you know. You didn't ask how my week is. I'm just telling you. Um, you know what else I did this week, Jared? So right now, wanna... it's the most hilarious thing just happened. <laughs> where uh, in the In the Skype camera view, I just see RJ's door. Just slowly opening, and it's like, oh man, is this going to turn into like a uh, a Bloomhouse film? Because we are on Skype, and I'm like, what's going to happen? And sure enough, there's uh, Winnie the cat on mm-hmm. RJ's shoulders. She is an integral part of the podcast because she is the motivation to keep going. Yeah. That uh, sixteen dollars a month or whatever we make, uh, you know, it goes towards cat food. It goes towards vet bills, and you know, they're they're just here for us. She's trying her best, too. She just wants to add into the podcast. Magical. Um, what were we talking about? What did you do this week? Um, Anything of interesting? Of got, interesting? Got, got into that. Um, I've been, I didn't talk about this last week, but uh, kind of been kind of dipping my toe into that board game pool. No, you're not. You 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 t- tempted with it or you played with this idea like a year ago. You were into it for like a week and then you gave up. Yeah, because at the time no one really wanted to do it. It didn't. It didn't seem like it was a go. But now there's like a, a groundswell. It's it, there's a build, and uh, now it's going to happen. And I've, I've, there's a couple things I picked up before, and uh, now it looks like we we, played, we tried those out, and now we're going to bigger, shinier what, things. What kind of games you got? Uh, in uh, case anyone out there is uh, also real boring. real into it, uh, not too much. Uh, I've had like Arkham Horror and like Settlers Catan for years and years and years. I think I would bought mm-hmm. a copy of like Dominion and opened it up and just went, "Ugh, this is way too much crap." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then got some other odd, odds and ends I won't talk about because I don't know where they are. But uh, on hand, I've got that Pandemic. Mm-hmm. That game's pretty neat. Uh, I really appreciate how simple it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got like some smaller games like Boss Monster and Welcome to the Dungeon. Uh, mm-hmm. Friend of the show, Lawrence, he just got himself a copy of that Elder Sign that we played. We played nice. that in Pandemic. That was fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And in uh, the next, sometime in the next month or so, hopefully uh, cracking into uh, some Talisman and uh, a latest purchase of a Twilight Imperium. Uh, are, are you familiar with that fucking beast of a game? I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty big, right? It, That's all I really know about it. Or is it is a, a girthy it, type of game. It's big and girthy. Mm. Mm. No, uh, that sounds interesting. I guess. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if you actually play any of these games, or well, if you flake out. It'll happen. It's, we'll see. We'll see. After paying for Twilight Imperium, it's going to happen. That's a big daddy, right? Yeah. How long is uh, each gameplay, or is that like oh, you gotta play once every like month for a year? No, that, that one's a one, one one and done type of deal, but it's like uh, you can play it over and over again. But it's like yeah. I think it's a three four hour potentially. It's nothing. That's shorter than these podcasts. It's, uh, no, we're not that bad yet. Well, if you add all that unedited, all the all that after sex, dark that, material, that sexy talk. Yeah, all of Jarrett's uh, gross things. Mm-hmm. Garrett Garrett Durkin. Yeah. When he when he comes out, well, that's gross. Anyway, hey, you, 
what? you know what? Uh, speaking of games, you know what I got this week, and I want to talk about because I think it was really weird. Mm. So you know how I'm like a casual gamer, like video games, right? And I play those video games. There was a game that came out this week called Detective Pikachu. Have you heard of this game? I have heard of it. Yes. So there's gonna be a movie next year with your buddy Ryan Reynolds. But so the game just came out, and you're a Pikachu that talks, and you are a detective. You solve crimes. It's like a puzzle game. And there was a big petition for a long time to get Danny DeVito to be the voice for Pikachu. Mm -hmm. So I got this game, and I only played it for like half an hour. But uh, it's really weird in the setup. So you're a guy, so you live in the Pokemon world, and you're a guy, and you're driving with a Pikachu, and you get into a car accident, and then you wake up, (laughs) and the guy's mind is in the Pikachu, and he can talk. And then on the other side of town, there's like a kid whose dad went missing, and it's like, I think you're him. And so you meet up and like you can talk to this kid. You're the Pikachu who's like reincarnate reincarnated this guy. And I like this was in the first like minute of the game. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, why is that? Like, why couldn't they just have a talking Pikachu? Why is it the reincarnate reincarnated soul of some dude? Thought it was weird. But anyways, the guy's voice, it's like kind of grainy. And uh, it could have easily have been Danny DeVito. I don't know why they didn't do it. It sucks. Oh, so that's on you, game freak. That's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to talk about him, man. I sh- I know there's one guy out there who's probably interested. <laughs> one little guy. Yeah. Uh, do we have any uh, emails this week? No. Hey, whatever happened to that one person who emailed in once, like a uh, couple weeks ago? We never heard from them again. Uh, that might have been Rowan. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever in that person. Living life, listening, hopefully still. People who listen to this show don't have lives. We we hardly have lives. I don't know. I wish I had more time. Oh, my God. Yeah, the other other, uh, thing that I've fallen into this past week is um, cataloging my uh, books. Uh, Oh, my God. I have too much shit. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It's it's a sickness, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You have a lot of books, and uh, it sucks, and you suck. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> anyway, hey, RJ. Yo. When you haven't been watching basketball and, like, I don't know, drinking, uh, what you been mm-hmm. creeping on? I actually watched quite a few movies this week for you, Jer. Oh, did you? Quite a few creeps. Uh, first off, I'm going to talk to you about a movie I've been wanting to watch for a really long time. 1993's Hard to Die uh. by a friend of the show, Jim Wynorski. So you might know this guy. He's a classic director. He made such hits like Sorority House Massacre 2, Chopping Mall, and Not of This Earth. You know, and mm-hmm. I think Swamp Thing 2 or something like that. Anyways, so this guy is the guy who sometimes dabbles in light porn. Um, and his movies are always like real sexy, uh, like girls in lingeries. And so I've wanted to watch this. I've wanted to watch this for a really long time. And I saw that I have never been able to find it by legal means or illegal means. And I, it was a real bummer. And I found the other day that it was on YouTube. And I was like, oh, nice. Uh, it was very grainy quality. Uh, but I was like, whatever. I, I, I want to watch this thing. So little did I know that uh, YouTube edited out all the full, like the full on nudity. And you can tell because scenes get cut and it's a real bummer because I'm creep. And I was like, I was like, oh man, nudity. But it was, it was edited out 
but I, there were still it's still ladies in lingerie, I guess. So that's something. That's mm, something. Yeah. So this movie I didn't know. Uh, fits in with the sorority house massacre movies and the slumber party massacre movies this is another one in that weird complicated history so this is technically sorority house massacre 3 which is very bizarre yeah i i, uh, I remember uh some other show doing this these movies and yeah. uh explaining these weird tenuous Thing. Like that, things yeah. that mean nothing but yeah. which I didn't know that uh, going in that it was that one I thought it was like an action movie he did but it also has really weird credits like uh, so the main lady in this who's in a couple of other Jim Wynorski movies uh, she is sometimes credited as Gail Harris she is sometimes credited as Robin Harris and like I don't really know what that is and even Jim like Jim Wynorski directed this and it wasn't his porn alias Robert Blueberry or whatever that thing is it was some other name it was a totally other person but when you look up that person it gets you re- get redirected to Jim Wynorski so it's very weird anyways uh, this movie is about five ladies who are doing inventory in a lingerie a store up in like a high rise kind of building. Mm. And then what happens is so they're they're all walking in to do the inventory in the lingerie and they encounter this big fat guy who was in Sorority House Massacre 2. And they're like, oh that guy's creepy. What's his deal? And then you have a flashback to Sorority House Massacre 2 uh, and you see some of that getting played. And uh, they're like, oh he's like one of the survivors of that incident. And it's like, oh man, that's pretty crazy. So then what happens in this movie, Jared, is the girls work up a sweat doing inventory. So they all decide to take showers. Uh, As you do. do, That's the scene. Those are the scenes that are edited out are the shower scenes. But then after they're like, oh, our clothes are all dusty and dirty. We can't put them back on. So they put on the lingerie that they're doing inventory on. So that's the rest of the movie is five girls in lingerie walking around like this big office building. Uh, and then, <laughs> then what happens is they find a box and it's like, it's almost like a Hellraiser puzzle cube or Hell, Hell, Hellraiser, wow. Hellraiser puzzle cube. What it, the LaManche configuration or whatever it's called. So they find one of these puzzle boxes and they open it up and like poltergeist level CGI spirits come out of it. And spirits infiltrate the building and then they possess some of the people. And it is the demon soul of the killer from Sorority House Massacre 2. How do we know that? Because uh, through a series of flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And then later when you see the big uh, greasy like gross guy, he is talking to the spirit about the incident before. So and like they have an interaction about how they were in the the other movie right so it is brought up it is addressed uh so what happens is this demon spirit goes on uh, a killing rampage on these five women in lingerie and they fight back uh this is pretty high quality movie as i'm sure you could have guessed sounds like uh i actually i thought it was pretty fun like um i don't think it's as good as sorority house massacre 2 what could be what could be yeah uh but i mean you get what you pay for. It's Jim Wynorski. It's like girls in lingerie running around in a horror movie type setting. Mm-hmm. Um, he always has like really funny things like the way characters get in put into situations. 
I think is really funny. So like I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, the last like 20 minutes, actually, you have like two of the girls in lingerie and they get like big machine guns and they're just blowing the shit out of like the apartment. Like it turns into like that kind of movie where it's girls with machine guns just lighting dudes up. And uh, I thought that was really cool. And it's called Hard to Die because in the last 20 minutes, three characters get shot probably like, I don't know, 70 times. And they're like still running around. The big fat dude stapling his body, keeping his bullet holes shut. Like, Ugh. it's pretty wicked, dude. It's pretty fun. Uh, if you were, if you liked any of these movies or you wanted to like uh, watch this with some dudes, I think you would have fun. <laughs> It's like a pizza party movie. You get some pizza, yeah. you get some soda pops, you uh, settle in for a good night of viewing. Yeah. I don't know. I thought Hard to Die was pretty cool, but I am also the target audience for this, I think. Is, was uh, You're a meathead? Uh, a, a, a chud? A chud? Don't you call, don't you uh. call me a chud. Don't. That, that, that's too, uh, is that some inside her uh, baseball there. That's it's a, inside that's, that's, baseball. That's, that's like a... Uh, RJ terminology now for being thrown back at him. Chud? Yeah. Yeah, you're a chud. So anyways, Hard to Die was pretty cool. It was a good way to uh, kick off my uh, my creeping this week, I think. Beauty. Uh, no, I've, uh, I've I've been wanting to watch this for a while. Uh, that cover looks uh, good, in quotes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I, I would watch this if, it, uh, if, if the time struck right and uh, I just wanted to watch it. I would say if you could ever get your hands on, like, the actual copy – try to watch that because i'm pretty sure it was only the shower scenes that got edited out but i don't like who knows but i don't even know where you can find this thing like i scoured the internet man and i, I think there's advice. a vhs you can buy for like 80 it, bucks it, there was a dvd uh but it's out of print there was, and, yeah. and it goes out of print. it goes for way too much money that's what the criterion should do is like you know those eclipse series they should have a jim winorski eclipse series well actually uh there's a point in time where uh uh, listener of the show, Lawrence and I uh, collaborated on a. Uh, we created the Adrenaline series, oh, God. Uh, and uh, we've done it. Did it in the style of the Eclipse uh, design case, but we did it mm-hmm. for a, uh, a collection of all of John Cena's movies up to that point, hmm. and uh, gave that to Corey as a. Uh, I believe it was a birthday present, and he still has it. It's got such classics as uh, Ready to Rumble. Uh, which mm-hmm. you've been trying to tell me to watch for a very long time because he's mm-hmm. in it for approximately like one second. Mm-hmm. Um, that was his first film. And then all his other pieces of shit, like the Marine and whatnot. Ready Ooh. to Rumble is not a piece of shit, though. You said all his other pieces of shit. That movie is legitimately ace. Okay. <laughs> You'll, if you just watch it, okay? Don't wait for it to pop up in your chronological timeline. Just fucking watch that thing. It's so good. It's not going anywhere. Uh, anyways, anyways, so uh, then, Jared, uh, I didn't, I wasn't planning to do this, but I realized it fit in with our Spartacus Gladiator theme. Mm-hmm. So I actually finished watching Thor Ragnarok uh-huh. by uh, Taiki Watiti. Um, so because last time you got about twenty minutes in, twenty and, minutes and, in, and Andy tapped. Yeah, she was she was really not into it because uh, so I. I'll, she was really not into it because she was like, I feel like you need to know too much about these movies, which I don't think you actually did. But like, it's like I was saying, I think that, that that's got to be a big mark against it, that people think you need to know a lot about these movies just to actually watch it. Yeah. There is some inside stuff. Like, like I was saying, there is a five minute scene with Dr. Strange. And then there is, 
I don't know, talk of Avengers Marvel stuff. So there there's a bit you gotta there's a bit of baggage you gotta go in with any of these movies, I think. Hmm. So I was like, well that's a gladiator movie, I'll watch it. Uh I skipped that first I watched some of that first twenty minutes. I put it on and then I was like getting laundry and moving stuff around and I was kinda in and out of the room. And even watching that first twenty minutes again, I was like, ugh. I was like, this isn't good. I was like, why does this movie get five stars? Like, some of this stuff is real bad. Um, it's just kind of like, it's like I was saying, like, kind of shtick comedy, which sometimes I really like and sometimes uh, I don't. But I was like, why? I was like, why does this movie get fucking loved so much? And then Thor goes to Sakaar and it becomes Planet Hulk for a while. And that's where it's like, actually, it, it does get good. I can see why people love this movie so much, but I think the reaction to it is a little over the top. So when Thor goes to Sakaar and he does the Planet Hulk thing and Jeff Goldblum is there as like a really sexy orgy guy, that that's a, a plot point in the movie. He's got like a melting stick and he's got a plane where he has sex orgies. Um, I think that's where the movie gets like, like actually really entertaining. Um, and I think it's because that's where... Taiki Watiti kind of was allowed to do his thing because the comedy there seems a lot more in line with his other films, like his particular brand of comedy. So uh, it gets really good there. And those parts, there's a lot of good jokes. And there's a few, like you have the Thor Hulk fight scene, and that's fine, I guess. Uh, and then every once in a while, you go back to uh, my girlfriend, Kate Blanchett, and she's just kind of there. Her story is not very interesting. She's just she's there and she's doing stuff and you bounce back to her and you're like, all right, I don't really care. And then you bounce back to Thor and Hulk and you see Hulk's butt and you're like, ha 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 ha. And uh, it's good. There's some good jokes. And then so I was watching this part and then I was talking to Andrea and I was like, I was like, it's actually pretty good now. I was like, there's some pretty high quality jokes in uh, this little bit and Jeff Goldblum is here and it's pretty funny. She's like, all right. So she came back and she saw the last 20 minutes of it and the last 20 minutes were kind of bad too. So she was like, this movie sucks. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you really saw, you only saw the bad parts of it. Cause the last part is like, it's on Asgard and it's Thor versus Hela. And I don't know. It's just like action stuff. And the music's not very like the score isn't very good in those parts. There are other parts where it's kind of cool. And I don't know, man, it's a, I think this movie is a really mixed bag. Like, I think there's some really good parts in the middle and the movie really kind of like shines. And then I think all the the baggage of all the Marvel stuff, even though there's not that much in there, but there's enough of it in there. And then I don't know, just r cookie cutter routine shit like I love Kate Blanchett. Like she's one of my f my favorites, and even she's just kind of like hanging around, not really doing much. Hmm. So like I don't know. I don't know, man. Are you ever gonna watch this? Maybe when it goes to Netflix. It's on Netflix, isn't it? Oh sure, that's how <laughs> I watched it. Uh, it's on iTunes. And like on physical copies, yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think it's on Netflix yet. It's all right. Like there are some things that are. It's like I said, that middle chunk is pretty good, but uh, the way people cream over this movie, I think, is a little much. It's hmm. not that good. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, nothing there sounds like. I don't know. What, what, what's your prediction? What's the uh, JFD's uh, 
score going to be? I'd say you'd maybe give it a three. Yeah, that's because good. I think I think you would like the middle part of it because it is like kind of Jack Kirby, like the Planet Hulk stuff is kind of cool. Like there's, I don't know. I think it's it's real comic booky, and I think you like those parts. Right. But I think all the other shit is just all the stuff that you hate in Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I think you should definitely watch it because I think you would like this more than a lot of the other Marvel stuff. But uh, I don't know, man. All more or less, I I came out of it. I was like, yeah, I'm glad I watched it. It had some really funny jokes once it actually like in the middle of it. But I don't know. I might watch it again in like 30 years. Awesome. Does that interest you at, at no. all? Actually, the thing that more interests me is a uh, listener, Oliver Granger, seems to be going through the Marvel movies in order oh, of release nice. and ranking them. So I'm kind of curious how that's going to play out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, I don't know, man. Like, right, I don't know. I right might get right some... now, he's given uh, the, the first Thor the edge on the first Iron Man. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that one. No, but hey, who knows, man? It's time, time. It's been ten years. Times are changing. I don't. Yeah, I don't know, man. Thor Ragnarok is equal parts really good, equal parts like who gives a shit. Awesome. I, I love. I love so, hearing that. I love hearing <laughs> who gives a shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. That's. I think it's worth watching. Like, I I was entertained by it. Like, okay. and definitely in the middle, I was like, yeah, this is a good movie. I was like, I see what people are talking about because of the jokes. Because of the comedy, mm-hmm. there there was actually there was one thing I thought was really funny, Jared. When Thor is like talking about Loki, he's like, "Yeah, one time he uh, he turned into a snake because he knows I really like snakes, and I picked him up because I want to hold this snake." And they turned back to Loki. He's like, "Ah, it's me!" And then he stabbed me. Yeah, that was a pretty good joke. I but see, that's why I don't like talking wasn't, about. Wasn't, wasn't that in the trailer? I don't think that part was. Oh, I feel like I've but, heard that somehow, and I haven't I seen know. the movie. I don't know. Like there are pretty funny jokes in this i thought i was laughing a couple times it's i don't know whatever it's the marvel stuff you know yep which is fine it's it's all it's it's all part of the death of culture it's okay it's okay yeah it's getting there so anyways what else Ooh. okay now we're gonna get to the real nitty-gritty here i've been waiting so (laughs) on the weekend uh i was messaging jared about this movie that i was watching and I was set, I was talking about I was like oh my god this movie and I was sending him gifts and this and that well, lots and of son, lots of Sons of Anarchy <laughs> well, yeah well because you know what there are no gifts for this movie yeah. none there's like two tops there's maybe two and it's really frustrating so I was sending Jared stuff about this movie and uh, he was like you do it to yourself like why would you watch this and after about two hours once I was actually done uh, I was like. I was like, that movie was fucking amazing. And Jared was like, what? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you just sent me like all these things about this movie. I was like, yeah, those were good things. This movie is really good. You know what that movie is, Jared? Mm-hmm. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword by Guy Ritchie. I just want to add. So uh, first of all, I had, no, I had no idea this movie was directed by Guy Ritchie. Or at least if I did, I totally forgot. Nobody does. Uh, and the other thing is that uh, we, I kept saying we should go see this uh, at the cheap theater, yeah, uh, like all summer, and you never wanted to go. 
I don't believe that. I think that we had a scheduling. Uh, we had a scheduling scheduling conflict because uh, I do believe I wanted to see this in theaters. It just never happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really want to watch that movie because I think it looks cool. <laughs> and I like Guy Ritchie more or less. I mean, you know. I think that's how everyone feels about him, right? It's like, yeah, I like Guy Ritchie more or less. So anyways, people really shit on this movie. Oh, yeah. They sure like, did. Really shit on this movie. Yeah. And I kind of get it. So this movie is really, really over the top What's fantasy. It about? Is it just about King Arthur? Is, this, is that okay. all it is? Or, is? or is it like the early adventures of King Arthur? Kind of. Yeah, it's like the early adventures. So I, I just want to detail to you the opening sequence. Because this is what really hooked me for this movie. So you have this opening and it's Camelot and you have this like castle with this big bridge and it's basically Hogwarts. Like that's how it looks like this big castle on a mountainside. You have Hogwarts and then you have that guy from uh, Gladiator, Dijamon Hunsu. You know that guy. Uh, that guy from Gladiator, and he's there with all his knights, and there's a slow-mo scene of him yelling war, and you're like, ooh, shit. And then you see all these like Viking people coming, and they're fighting, and you're like, ooh, shit. And then you see uh, what I can only describe as an oliphant from the Lord of the Rings, like 80-foot-tall ele- elephants. There's a bunch of these coming. Is this supposed to be still in Britain? Yes. Yeah, it is. So there's a couple of these gigantic elephants and they have like spiky tusks and they're like raking people back and forth. And then on on top of one of the elephants is a pyramid. And at the top of the pyramid, (laughs) just just (laughs) let me at the top of the pyramid is like this huge ball of fire. And then you see this and then you see the fire light up and then people on the bridge that are fighting just turn to ash and blow like just get blasted. And then it zooms in on the Oliphant's eye and it's got like fire burning in it. Hmm. And you're like, oh, shit. And then cut to fucking Eric Bana looking handsome as fuck. And he's just really like he's like really like stoic and he's got his sword out and he's like, oh, my God. So you see him, he gets on his horse and he rides off of this broken bridge and he just rides his horse right fucking off of this thing and jumps on the Oliphant. And then like I saw that, I was like, you prick, you just let your horse down. But then he like looks at it and you feel like he feels sad. So you're like, okay. So he's climbing up this elephant and you see like all of these compartments in the pyramid that are full of like warriors and then some are full of like monks praying and things like that. And so he gets in and into the top layer of the pyramid and it's the the warlock Mordred and he's got like this big antler kind of crown and he's got these red eyes and he's in fire and there's all these monks around him. And then uh, Eric Bana pulls out Excalibur and he holds it. And then his eyes go blue. And then like ice comes out of his sword and he walks through the fire and he kills Mordred. And then you, the next scene you see him on the bridge and he's, he's throwing uh, the crown to the ground and all the Camelot people are like, Ooh, yeah, this guy's the real deal. And this is all done in like slow motion action. It's very cool. And then what happens is he's King Arthur's dad and guy, uh, not guy Pierce, uh, Jude law is his brother and he is a, a warlock as well. And he is jealous. So he stages a coup and he kills everyone in the castle that night. Do with they, all his do they use the word coup? They do not use the word coup. Damn. Uh, but so you see like his band of outlaws is 
taking over the castle. So Eric Bana takes his little kid and, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot. Jude Law goes down to a little cave and rings a bell and an Ursula-esque, uh, like really large woman octopus comes out on, out of the water and it's pretty cool. And then, uh, he turns into this giant, like video game demon skull thing. And then he's running around breaking shit. Eric Bana puts a little kid in a boat and sends him off. Uh, and then Excalibur goes into the water. And then the little kid is gone. And that's Arthur, Jarrett. Arthur gets adopted into a brothel. And, okay, it feels like I've been talking for a while. This is all within the first 10 minutes. So Arthur goes to a brothel. And then in a really dope series montage, you see him getting beat up by, like, pimps and johns. And you see him turning into a really tough man. There is a Chinese guy named George that trains everyone kung fu. And he learns kung fu. And uh, then he grows up into the handsome Charlie Hunnam. And then it's about him being like he is now the leader of the brothel and Jude Law is the king of Camelot and the land, but uh, he's real evil. And what happens next? Oh, yeah. He like he, he uh, Jude Law like talks with the Ursula octopus mermaid woman and she's like, well, that guy's still out there. You got to kill him. So there's like a search for him and then he comes and he gets a sword and then he gets trained by a band of outlaws featuring a little finger from game of thrones uh-huh. and uh, he goes to an island which is like the savage land there's like giant like pterodactyls and spiders and snakes uh, this movie's got lots of like giant snakes in it and giant elephants and it's all really cool and it's really crazy that guy Ritchie was allowed to make this um and i had a lot of fun watching this movie i think it was really good uh i don't think everyone will think that uh, I thought it was really fun to watch, to be honest. And I, I'll say this. People might be like, that movie sounds horrible and you're a bad person, which might be true. But the one thing that I think is unanimous, like no one could argue, is this movie has a wicked score. Like this, the, all the music in this movie will fucking pump you up like hard. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. There's So there's a lot of the Guy Ritchie action where it's it's not like exactly slow motion. But I, I describe it as like quick time video game action where it's like the cut scenes. And there's a few of those scenes that aren't great, but some of the action scenes are pretty cool. You have some sword stuff. Uh, you have a lady who is in the Merlin TV show. She's in this, so that's cool. What else? Jude Law wears a lot of eyeliner in this movie, which is also neat. I was drinking when I watched this. Huh. I think this movie is awesome. I think people are fucking crazy for not liking this. Yeah, thing. you are definitely in the minority, though. <laughs> I think time, in time, people will come around to this thing, and it will be hailed as a cult classic. Yeah. Did anything of what I said interest you at all? Not really. Um, I feel what like- about that opening sequence with the Oliphants? <sighs> What it's like? I expect that of like all these movies. Like they all, yeah. they all have the, they all have olifants and things. And people turn mm-hmm. to ash, and it's just like, who cares? If, if, if no, it, yeah. I, I think that's what it. most people's opinion is. I don't know. I I don't know why. I know it's not. I'll be honest. I know it's not really a good movie. <laughs> but but I I was I thought it was really fun to watch, and I was just by myself 
just drinking some beers and i was like yeah i was like this king arthur movie fuck yeah but i will say i know it's not really a good movie but the score the soundtrack is wicked so you just check that out because the music in this movie was fucking awesome okay legitimately okay you you want to see some giant snakes and uh, like uh, Jude Law as a huge like Ghost Rider type skull man and uh, yep little fingers in this yeah oh Carcetti <laughs> yeah yep cool need, so need me to belly out here. No, uh, I'm I'm pretty well done because I have other movies, but we'll talk yeah. about them later. No, we'll, My we'll, point is, yeah. I think people should give King Arthur a chance. Well, when it lands on Netflix, I might mm-hmm. add it to my watch list. You will watch it or else this podcast is over. Okay. <laughs> okay. So in the I'm good done. in uh, another department, uh, yeah. I would recommend people check out the commercial that Spike Jones directed for Apple. What? Yeah. This came out mm. like a week or two ago to like very little fanfare because we now live in an age where Spike Jones doing things doesn't even like merit a blip on people's radar. Um, mm. It's Too a bad. it's a video for it's for the home pod and uh-huh. it's a video called Welcome Home. And mm-hmm. it's like some like basically Spike Jones doing Michelle Gondry. Ooh, that yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Because Michelle Gondry really fell off the earth, so yeah. Hmm. Is it? Does it make you want more Spike Jones though, or just? Yeah. Well, it just okay. My my experience watching it. So uh, my friend uh, sent it on to me, and there's like a behind the scenes making of thing about it too, where you get to see like how all this was done, like this practical stuff, and you're mm-hmm. like, fuck, like everything sucks. Like, wh- why is the bar so low? Like why why can't King Arthur? Why doesn't Spike Jones make more things? Like why why do we? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, King it's like, and, and it's just a commercial, and that's the other thing too. Where you're like, oh, they're just trying to sell me yeah. something, and I don't know how I feel about that. But whatever commercials can be fancy too. How long is said commercial? It's like four minutes. Hmm. It's like a mu- it's just watching like a music video. That's it. Is that like that perfume music video he did a while ago, or whatever yeah. that thing was for? Yes, and this is way I think way better than that. That thing was just like it felt too much like weapon of choice to me. But interesting, if true. But, but it's very similar to those. It's like kind of like a. It's like, hey, he decided I'm going to do another thing with a person dancing. But let's yep. do some some Gondry esque antics. Mm. Yeah. Hey, hey, okay, I'll, I'll check this out because I really like Spike Jones. Mm. I just remembered something though. You know what else I watched this week? What? Did you watch the Terror, the TV show? No, no, I did not. Okay, I, I'll just really briefly, because I mentioned it before. The Terror is a book by Dan Simmons that uh, I really like and you like the idea of, but you've never read it, about that, uh, what is it, the Franklin Expedition? Franklin Expedition, yeah. Trying to find the Northwest Passage with the Terror, uh, the terror and Erebus and the boats that get stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I talked before, I think that book is really good. It's like, it's like so well-researched and like how historically accurate a lot of the details are where, where like the way character th- things are set up before and the way he just kind of elaborates on stuff like that and it's a horror thing so anyways the tv show came out by amc it was really good i think you should watch it it's the first two episodes right first two episodes are out and I'll, uh, uh, it, 
I'm saving it for Chanel and I because she'll be into yeah. it too. Yeah, I watched it with Andy and I didn't think she would be into it, but she was actually, she really liked, uh, I was telling her about how there's like a lot of Inuit, like uh, legend folklore stuff in there. And she thought that was really cool. So she's into it and she's watching it as well. Yeah, it's because it's, it's kind of like Canadiana, even though it's not, Canadi- it is. it's not Canadian history at all, but, it, yeah. but it's on land. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I, I just want to say it. it is, it was really cool. I think you should watch it. And it's got Justice League Steppenwolf. Oh, Syrian Hines? Yeah. My my friend thinks that's Alfred Molina. Oh. And uh, oh. he, because he's always like, he's like always talking about Dr. Octopus and like Game of yeah, Thrones. I, can, I kind of, uh, in I the terror. Of, I get it. I, I guess yeah. I can kind of see that. So Hammeet thinks uh, Syrian Hines is uh, Alfred Molina, which I think is pretty funny. You, you know what my introduction to Syrian Hines was? What? HBO's Rome. Oh, another sword and sandal. Uh, as I will, and I was, I will always say, uh, RJ, have you watched HBO's Rome? I saw the first episode. That show's awesome. It's like, it's only 20 episodes and it's really good. And, uh, I don't know. It's been a while since I've I've watched it a couple times. It's been a while, but very good. And I was thinking, I was was like, after watching Spartacus and other things, I was like, ah, I should watch Rome again. Because John Milius writing Mm -hmm. it. Such a good show. I'll make you a deal. You watch the terror. I will, which I will do. And I won't watch Rome. Okay. That's fine. That was like that's where we're at. Yeah, that's not a deal. That's just a statement of reality. Deal. You're, okay, anyways, you're, keep talking about whatever you were talking about. Uh, yeah, watch that Spike Jones video. I will. You jerk. I will. Uh, I watched a Lucio Fulci film. Uh, <laughs> this was re- this is a, a Blu-ray release from Severn Films uh, uh-huh. of this little film that's been getting a lot of buzz called The Devil's Honey. Oh, I have heard of this film. Yes. So, uh, as people like to throw out when they describe lots of movies, things are batshit crazy. Um, uh, don't say that. I, I'm not. I'm saying that people say that. I yeah. do not like to describe things that way because it makes you sound like you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so The Devil's Anyways. Honey, RJ. It is yeah. about a musician. And mm-hmm. uh, he's a real piece of shit. And uh, nice. he, he really likes to get off with his lady. And uh, this movie's, like, first half is, like, an exploration of their, like, really shitty relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. The very first scene of the movie involves uh, him, like, like just, like, starting to, like, mack on his lady, like, while they're doing uh, a a recording. And he basically is like, I want to get this done. So he sends everybody away. And Mm -hmm. he starts, like, really pushing on her. And she's, she's not into it. But then he comes back with his saxophone and he Mm. starts working his saxophone and he starts taking the, I guess the whole part of the saxophone and the, what the, 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 uh, where the sound comes out of, not the place where you blow it on it, but the part where it comes out and he's just rubbing Mm -hmm. that up against her clitoris. Oh, um, right in that. Edit that out. Right in the pubic hair, upper dress. And you just get to see her just grinding on the edge of this. Don't edit that out. That, we don't. We that, don't need that. That in is here. the first. The first scene. The first scene. RJ of this movie is that. Mm. Um, we also get to see like more pubes later on. Uh, we get to see like this guy like making his girlfriend give him a hand job while they're on a motorcycle. Um, yeah, and then he dies. He dies uh, because. Is it cool? Uh, no, he just like, he like falls over and hits his head on some rocks, and he kind of like decides I'm gonna walk it off. But then he, it's like, nope, your brain's bleeding, and oh no, you die because 
the doctor didn't take it seriously by the time you went there. And mm-hmm. now this this so then it turns into like a like thriller where she wants revenge on this doctor uh, mm-hmm. because now mm-hmm. she's alone and she winds up kidnapping him and like torturing him for like another like half hour. Things involving hot wax and dogs and lots mm-hmm. of his shirtless old doctor man. Uh, nice. This movie is odd. <laughs> um, what do you mean odd? Um, it just it's a bunch of stuff that happens. Uh, I kind of mm-hmm. I had this on while I was doing kind of like other things, and then I like my eye would raise when I'm like, "What's going on now?" Oh, there's just pubes. Oh, there's another lady. She's all angry at this guy now. Did it's, you say pubes? Pubes. P u b e s. Pubes. Pubic no, hair. Thanks. The pubes. Lots. No thanks. If you like pubes, <laughs> this is a movie for you. And. Uh, <laughs> Hey, some, we're someone, recording right now. Someone, hey, someone's got to put the creep in this podcast. You're mm. you're watching this King Arthur Thor shit. Come on. Well, you're Thor. watching you're watching edited hard to die movies on YouTube. Like, There's no on. other option. You find one for me and I'll watch one. it. I have it. I have it on my a flash drive right now. I guarantee you don't. I do. I I one hundred. Go watch I, King Arthur, or I am done with this podcast. I don't care. So then, so anyway, Devil's Honey, not a recommendation. Um, This movie will just make Mm -hmm. you kind of question what you're doing with your time. Uh, For me, it's like, oh, it's Lucio Fulci. So I I kind of knew what I was expecting, but not, it's not for everybody. Uh, I also watched the first Blu-ray in the, what is it? The American Genre Film Association's uh, new brand. It's like their criterion uh, of like scumbag exploitation movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a film called The Zodiac Killer. So RJ, are you? Oh. Are, have you ever heard of this film from 1970? So this is, is this... like this movie came out while The Zodiac was still active, I suppose, or maybe he had like not killed anybody lately. But this mm-hmm. was like fresh off of the case. Uh, this guy directed this film. He decided I'm going to make a movie and I'm going to lure the real killer out and I'm going to capture him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when he claims that he did this. And he's just not ready to reveal who the real killer was. Um, anyway, so this movie, it's like watching it in a post-David Fincher Zodiac world, uh, it mm-hmm. leaves a lot to be desired. But, I mean, as a piece of, like, late 60s, early 70s exploitation trash, this movie is very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got, like, those, like, just strange characters that show up in these sort of movies. There's this guy. He's a truck driver named Grover. Uh, he just like has conversations about, you know, with other men about ladies that he's banging and stuff like that, how he scored and they laugh about it. Uh, he like has a toupee. He likes to pretend that he's like a high roller and like paying for drinks at the clubs, talking about how he's a big executive and stuff like that. And he just, he just wants to get laid, man. Nice. Uh, but this has like absolutely nothing to do with the movie until like he snaps because his ex-wife is being a bitch and she won't let him see his kid and he starts getting violent and uh, the police are called and he decides like when they're all like telling him to stop like grabbing his daughter with a gun to her head he says I'm the Zodiac and he starts firing at the police that's like it that is like the only link to the Zodiac killer story there is and this guy's just Mm -hmm. dead and that's about like the first 25 minutes are just like all about Grover and I love like the Grover stuff is so good because man this movie has like such like that mean misogynistic streak that like you can't help but laugh at like how (laughs) 
hilarious. Like everyone's just a bitch. He's like, ah, oh, that bitch won't let like put out. Ah, oh, that bitch. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, such we've come such a long way. Um, but yeah. So the movie has like these reenactments of the Zodiac killer, but it's like done so slipshod that when you watch like how well done they are in again David Fincher's Zodiac, which are like really well done and creepy and beautifully mm-hmm. photographed and uh, given the real like cinematic treatment, you're watching it here and you're just like, yep, this feels like this was made for like the least amount of money so that the guy could then say he's going to catch the real killer. Um, <laughs> this sounds like a movie you would make. Ah, I wish. I wish I had this the the, yeah. the chutzpah to to put together something like this. Chutzpah, hey, the chutzpah. That's I right. see. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's about really all I watched. Most of the other stuff is stuff we're going to talk about uh, as we get into these uh, big epics that we mm-hmm. that we're talking about today. Um, so anyway, that's it for my creeping. Uh, hey, you got any news, RJ? Roseanne is back. Yeah, that was one of my news bits. Uh, and it had probably one of the biggest debuts ever, I think. No, 800 not, million not, people tuned in. 18 million, but it's not the biggest ever. That's like a drop in the bucket. It's big in it comparison did big to though, current right? Biggest yeah. in two years. But like you have to remember, that's like that fucking show, from the Big Bang Theory uh, spinoff, that Sheldon show. That was like one of the biggest yeah. numbers as well. Like So these numbers like are huge because television numbers are shrinking because of a cord mm-hmm. cutting and the fact that people have TV just watch sports and they're not watching tv uh like shows like mm-hmm. this but man roseanne they, they tuned in they wanted to know what's everyone talking about it's because roseanne fucking rules i've said it many times and i'll say it many times more uh roseanne is the best uh i did not watch it yet it premiered last oh, night oh you're a fu- what a i don't have cable you have internet I have internet. Phony. I don't have cable, so phony. I'm gonna. Wa- I'll be. I will be watching it tonight. Phony. I got so. T- phony. In order to prepare myself better for this, I do not have cable, but my mom does, and she gave me her uh, cable internet access thing so that I can pull it up on my computer. Is that a violation can- of her terms and services? No. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm not sure how it works. I don't know if they show them live or if it's like. Uh, the day after you have access to it. I don't know. So I will be watching it. Okay. I will be watching it. Is this going to turn into like a a Twin Peaks The Return-like discussion about Roseanne week to week? Fucking better. If you don't watch Roseanne, I'm done with this podcast. (laughs) You have two two pieces of homework for this week. King Arthur and Roseanne. No. Well, if anyone out there wants to do a Roseanne podcast with me, I am totally done with this one. I'm totally willing to go to something new. I just I'm I I've had it. I don't want to do this one anymore. I want to start the Roseanne cast. <laughs> so if anyone is listening, hit me up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man. Um hey d- d- Frank Frank Miller, uh character from High Noon and mm-hmm. comic creator of Sin City. He he's apparently going to be getting paid by Netflix to do something. Oh, does it sound good? Is it holy no, terror? Oh, God fucking no. It, oh, why, What's how, he going to do for Netflix, though? He doesn't write, like, movies. Yes, he does. What did? What movie did he write? The Spirit. The, the, remember that? Remember RoboCop 3? Oh, yeah. That's the worst RoboCop. 
sure is. Yeah, uh, yeah, Frank Miller, man. Um, what, well, what he, is he so writing? What he, is he working on? I've, they, they, he's just all that's the news is he's doing something. He's got a project cooking for Netflix. Whether or not it'll mm-hmm. turn into anything or it'll just be good old fashioned vaporware, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, he's got like some, like, he's got a 300 sequel that's finally coming out soon or prequel, I guess. Um, and that's coming out. And then there's like, apparently he's working on some like young adults graphic novel or something, something just dreadful. Um, I can't believe it. Uh, this guy was like on the like cusp of death, like not that long ago. And now he's mm-hmm. back. I guess he got things sorted, but well, one day you and him both will be out of here. Oh my God. I just got some hot news. You are never going to fucking believe this. Frank Miller to tackle King Arthur series for Netflix. Is that what it is now? <laughs> Netflix has given Cursed a 10-episode straight-to-series order. Uh, hmm. Upcoming book of the same name, which tells the King Arthur story through the eyes of a teen girl named Nimu, who is destined to become the Lady of the Lake. There you go, baby. So you know what? You have to watch King Arthur now. I still you have to. No, I still don't. You, you need to watch Excalibur. Which one? The one from the 80s. Which one? The one directed by uh, the man who brought his art as John Borman. Which one? <laughs> uh, it's it's real funky. It made a lot of money back in the day. Is it animated? No, live action. Is it good? Mm-hmm. I'll watch, here, I'll put it to you like this. I'll watch Excalibur if you watch uh, King Arthur. Ah, uh, well, I, we'll wait till King Arthur's on Netflix. <laughs> From John Borman, you say? Yeah. What if King Arthur doesn't go to Netflix? It will. Everything comes to Netflix. That's why I don't buy things anymore. Anything mainstream, I just like, what's the point? Even mm. like re- relatively popular movies, it seems like they just show up on there. And I'm like, why, why did I spend money on this thing? I see uh, Helen Mirren is in this Excalibur movie. Is she hot? Yeah, she's she's not as hot as like other movies. She's <laughs> I'm going to put it out there right now. For an old lady, Helen Mirren looks pretty good. Wow, that's real fresh. Man. What do you mean, fresh? Oh, come on. It's what? Like, we get it. Helen Mirren's hot. We, we don't, we, it doesn't need to be said. Do people talk about go, this? Go, go masturbate off, off mic. Just leave, leave it alone. People talk about this. People, everyone what knows. What happened just everyone, now? Everyone knows. This is, this, oh, she's, she's hot. Thanks. Was, was that a hot take? Yeah, or you know, it's an attempt at a hot take. It's a, it's a, it's a tire take. Whatever, I didn't know that. Yeah, come on. Whatever, I'm not a hip with these things. Yeah. With, with your creep files, keeping track of who people think are hot. Yeah, hot or not. Mm. <laughs> were, you, were you old enough for hot or not? Was that? Yeah, going? I remember. Yeah, it was like Tinder, but mm-hmm. but ineffectual. It sounds like you had a bad time on there. On the hot or not. Yeah. No, it was whatever. It's just hilarious to me that that was a thing, and now it's not. <sighs> I wonder what happened to all those photos of people that they just uploaded and then they just went away. They're still out there. I have most. I'm sure it was some sort of psyop operation. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Mm-hmm. Anything else? News? Nah. You want to talk about that sp- Sporticus? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, then. After the break, we're going to talk about the first Stanley Kubrick film to enter the Criterion Collection. And who? And that Kirk Douglas, too. Still alive. 
He's not alive. He won't be after this episode airs. It was shortly after nine when he started a new time. Blood was flowing in the gladiator school. Things were perfect. Things were cool. Fight for the round. When the news was spread around. Unlikely ever to be serpented in the tenderness and beauty of its love story. Nothing was spared to make Spartacus the superb achievement it is. Neither time, nor money, nor talent. For in Spartacus, you will see the finest cast ever assembled relive history's most exciting and inspiring drama. Starring Kirk Douglas as Spartacus, slave, Gladiator, invincible fighter. Lawrence Olivier as Crassus, symbol of Rome's majesty and might. I'm not after glory. I'm after Spartacus. Gene Simmons as the slave Arinia, whose body was bought and sold, but whose love enveloped Spartacus with a radiance few men have known. Charles Lawton as Gracchus, the leader of the Roman Senate. Peter Ustinov as Batiatus, shrewd and devious dealer in human flesh. John Gavin as Julius Caesar, ambitious staff officer. And Tony Curtis as Antoninus, who loved Spartacus like a brother. In the powerful story of the gladiator rebel who sprang from slavery, to challenge the awesome might of Imperial Rome. The symbol of the Senate, all the power of Rome. I imagine a God for slaves, and I pray. What do you pray for? I pray for a son who'll be born free.
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Spartacus from 1960, directed by that guy, Stanley Kubrick. You might have heard of him. Mm. The tagline for this film, they trained him to kill for their pleasure, but they trained him a little too well. And the synopsis from Letterboxd, the rebellious Thracian Spartacus, born and raised a slave, is sold to gladiator trainer Batiatus? That was always going to be the one that throws me off. Because it's like. That one was? That one. one. Batiatus? Yeah, Batiatus. You didn't fucking learn Greek and Latin? What are you, a nerd? Yeah, I'm not as smart as uh, William Wallace. Uh, mm. After weeks of being trained to kill for the arena, Spartacus turns on his owners and leads the other slaves in rebellion. I like that it's just a few weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, as the rebels move from town to town, their numbers swell as escaped slaves join their ranks. Under the leadership of Spartacus, they make their way to southern Italy, where they will cross the sea and return to their homes. So, Spartacus, mm-hmm. uh, this is probably, the first time I ever watched this was the uh, Criterion copy of this that my friend Corey bought. Uh, it's got that big, yeah. bright red striking cover. It's still quite nice. Um, one of their better uh I think covers that they've made for any of their releases. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always, I like this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. it's like very typical kind of like of the era epic. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'd seen it at least twice, I guess. The second time I watched it was when I was like probably on a Stanley Kubrick kick and I was like, Oh, it's been years since I watched it. So I watched it again. And, Again, it's just a movie that I'm like, yeah, that's like, it's a good movie. I mean, I just mm-hmm. don't love it. And uh, I never yep. really thought about why I didn't love it, anything like that. So that's kind of like what this viewing for me was. Just be like, okay, let's try this movie again. Let's see what this mm-hmm. is all about. Um, so big thing with this movie, I guess its reputation is this is uh, Stanley Kubrick's work for hire movie. Yeah. He was never attached to it. Uh, there's, <laughs> a, there's kind of like a backstory to it. Are you familiar with it at all? A little bit. I I just know that like he got pulled in afterwards. Wasn't there uh, some Criterion alums in the mix? Well, not or competing movies or something. So okay, so the way it all goes. So first of all, so Kubrick made Paz of Glory with Kirk Douglas. Uh, Mm -hmm. That movie didn't do great, even though it's like a masterpiece. um, Yeah, and it holds up so well. It looks like it could have been shot a week ago, and Mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk about it one day. One day. Uh, the movie didn't do great. So then Stanley Kubrick was trying to figure out what's he going to do next. Uh, one of those movies was making a Western with Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just was never going to play out. Marlon Brando wanted him, but it just didn't see eye to eye on aspects. And that movie became one Eye Jacks, which Marlon Brando went on to direct, which is a future Criterion movie. And mm-hmm. I watched it not that long ago, and the movie's pretty pretty interesting. Uh, interesting. I think yeah, it's it's pretty. I don't know. I, I'm. Is it good or is it bad? It's good. I like or, it. Okay. But I, I like those westerns. So, yeah. uh, so he was kind of languishing. He wanted to make Lolita. Right. And uh, he was trying to get financing for it, and it wasn't happening. It was kind of like in this weird transition period. And out of nowhere, Kirk Douglas gives him a phone call, and he wants him to direct Spartacus. So the story there is, uh, from what I recall. So Kirk Douglas, after making Paths of Glory, uh, he went on to make the movie The Vikings, uh, this mm-hmm. big kind of swashbuckling uh, movie about Vikings. And it was with Richard Fleischer, and it wasn't exactly what he wanted it to be. He wanted more creative control. 
The other strike against it uh, for him making wanting to make Spartacus is Kirk Douglas wanted to be Ben Hur. <laughs> he he, which is like when you think about it, it's like when I think of Spartacus, Ben Hur comes straight to mind. Yeah, like, they're very similar. Like they're, they're not like taking place at the same time, but they're both Roman epics uh, about good guys, bad guys, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of was like, I'm going to do Spart- the Spartacus movie. And uh, his little studio, his little production company, he was uh, in, uh, employing a guy named Dalton Trumbo, who they've made a movie about. They've made documentaries about him uh, with that Brian Cranston because mm-hmm. uh, he was a, a fucking liberal commie. Uh, given the Russians all our secrets, obviously, and uh, uh-huh. Huac was pursuing them. Uh, fuck, it's just so it's such an absurd period of time. Is is that like accurate or is that just conspiracy? Oh theory? no, this is like this is in the public. This like no, so Donald Trump was just like whatever. He was like a fucking. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if he was Jewish, but like a lot of these like like leftist Jewish screenwriters living in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. they probably had like whatever socialist leanings and uh we're probably part of the communist party but like an american mm. a communist party which is like not quite the same as being a russian communist or like a stalinist or a leninist even i don't know anyway is that so there's like the whole so there's the hollywood 10 that yeah. like they were like this like list of people who are blacklisted like you were like studios did not want to uh like hire these people because if you did, you were a communist too. And this mm. was a way of like saying, Hey, like it, it was a ridiculous period of time. Um, but what, is that what, what hail Caesar is supposed to be about? Yes. That is exactly what hail Caesar is supposed to be about. That really, like not, not <laughs> that really bad that, movie, that, that, that bad Coen brothers movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of what that was about. So, so Dalton Trumbo, and that's why I like that Trumbo movie that came out with, uh, Brian Cranston was like, oh, Hollywood back padding, and no one mm-hmm. really ultimately cared. Uh, but so a lot of these guys, they were writing under like uh, pseudonyms and they were like, or they were working at these smaller production places. Like essentially, I mean, they were kind of getting taken advantage of because they couldn't charge like regular rates. So they'd get paid less to get work. But at the same time, mm-hmm. they were at least getting fed. Um, and yeah. so, like, because Kirk Douglas, obviously, he th- would have thought this was bullshit. And you could say Spartacus was like, uh, like it was a big turning point actually in like turning the tide against this like idiotic m- mentality of like mm-hmm. uh, essentially it's like oppression from like Hollywood and the government. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of like the political aspect of this movie going in. Uh. So yeah, Kirk Douglas he was first got uh, director Anthony Mann, uh, who mm-hmm. is uh, a man of westerns, uh, and he's made like some amazing westerns with uh, Jimmy Stewart. And some other really mm-hmm. good movies. Very good director. But I guess that for some reason, Kirk Douglas was working with Anthony Mann. They shot like the very beginning stuff, like all the stuff in the, like the slave mines at the very, mm-hmm. very top of the movie. That was him. And then he just thought that Anthony Mann was not going to let him be Kirk Douglas. And so he fired him, fired the director off the movie mm-hmm. that his own production company was doing. And he's like, let's get that Stanley Kubrick guy. He knows what he's doing. That Paz of Glory experience <laughs> was easy. And I think I can play this guy. I can make him do what I want him to do. So Stanley Kubrick was brought in to like yeah. make this movie. And part of it was that, hey, if I do this movie, I'm going to get paid like, I think it was like quite a lot of money. Like, I think I read it uh, in this Tashin book, Stanley Kubrick, The Complete Films, that he got like, like $150,000, which seems kind of ridiculously high. Um, mm-hmm. But they also bought the rights for Lolita and would let him go and direct that. 
so there's like all this types of deals baggage deal um, at the time I think like overall like Cooper kind of like does not speak highly of this movie while he was still alive like this was the movie he kind of yeah. wrote off saying eh it has nothing to do with anything I'm interested in mm-hmm. um, and like when you watch it there really isn't like anything there's a few things that you could be like oh that's that's a Kubrick scene <laughs> or that feels like something in line yeah. with this other stuff he makes but on the whole it, it pretty well is a Hollywood epic and there's nothing wrong with that it's just like uh, when you're talking about like uh, this like director who's influenced so much and he's like the kind of this like perfect picture perfect image of like a auteur in his films mm-hmm. and stuff like that Spartacus doesn't get brought up in the conversation a lot because it's not the type of movies that people who are like into Kubrick really like to watch right um so yeah I mean that's kind of the info dump on Spartacus for stuff that I guess is kind of relevant mm-hmm. um but so yeah my thoughts on this movie is. Uh, the first like hour and a half hour or so are I think are really good. Uh, I yeah. enjoy I, I enjoy them quite a bit. Uh, most of it's just like it's all the gladiator school stuff. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that stuff's all fantastic. And then you get the big like the jailbreak. Uh, all that's really good. Yep. And then it kind of like hits the, I guess the military campaign part with Spartacus raising his army town by town, and it's mm-hmm. done in sort of this like offhand sort of way where he's just going to these towns and like oh you, you don't see the battles you just see yeah. him like ah he was victorious and a bunch of extras are standing around and then they're doing bad things to like uh citizens or not citizens but like politicians and Romans. stuff like that and like and like rich people and like the mm-hmm. the influencers and they're all liberated haha <laughs> how do you like it how do you like to be forced to fight another man and that's just like fine and there's like a love story kind mm-hmm. of aspect in there just cuz that's what these movies kind of have in there mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean then you get the big battle and the big battle has like a lot of potential. It's like got some pretty ridiculously dangerous <laughs> scenes in there where I'm like, yeah. holy smokes. But we'll talk about that. Uh, and then like it's basically the, the first hour is really good. And like the last half hour is really good. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff where just like this movie is so interchangeable with like every type of movie like this. And there's just like depending on how like there's like moments that are good but there's a lot where you're just like oh it's another scene of Kirk Douglas smiling and posing by a lake or like chatting away with somebody Tony uh yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah so there's like there's those are the things in the movie that like keep it from being like an, a banger um mm-hmm. for me but uh yeah I don't know on the whole I mean I still like enjoy this movie um yep. I, I would I will probably at some point watch it again type of thing uh it's it's not it's a good little example of epics i guess like if i was comparing it to uh ben-hur which i just watched like a month or so ago mm-hmm. uh, i think it's like on the whole a better movie but nothing in it lives up to that chariot race in ben-hur because right. that's like one of the best things i've ever seen like uh in an action like in an action sort of way it's mm-hmm. like a masterpiece of filmmaking and nothing in this is as good as that but on the whole this movie is better but they're both, I mean, they're, they both have their merits or whatever. But I think, like, the scene to scene moments, like, the dialogue in this movie is, like, really great. Uh, there's some amazing performances that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's like, uh, great. My, my, my boy here, whose name I can't pronounce his character's name, of uh, Batiatis. Batiatis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Peter uh, Ostinov. That guy is just fucking so good in this. But anyway, those are my broad strokes. RJ, uh, have you seen Spartacus before? And what did you think? First off, I want to go on a tangent here. How old would Kirk Douglas have been if he was still alive? 
well, RJ, he is still alive at the time of this recording. Um, as Wrong. We, as we discussed last week, when I realized that we're doing Spartacus this week, uh, our podcast has this tendency of killing people. Uh, and, we didn't and, even and, bring and, that up. And, and, and well, so not in the yeah. body. So uh, yeah. one of the actresses from Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, she just died like the other day, and mm-hmm. uh, that's just like one person. And like, uh, oh, the one we Japanese. we got Bill Paxton, mm-hmm. we got Senjun Suzuki. Yes. <laughs> Uh, fuck. We we've gotten we're we're up to like seven, I think now. I can't remember the others either. But the other the creeps body count. Yeah, like we we had a lot. The big one was Senjun Suzuki or whatever. Yes. The uh, that dude because it was like a week after we talked about it, he died. Bill Paxton died like a week after. The discreet charm of the bourgeoisie lady. We only talked about that like two weeks ago. Yeah, like a month or so ago. Like like within this month. Kirk Douglas, alive and well right now, is 101 years old. I'm pulling. I'm pulling that he's going to make it to 105, just so he matches that criterion spine number. (laughs) Give him another four. Give give him another four years. Come on. That's gross, Jared. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's gross. Maybe that's all. Uh, Maybe that's all. It's keeping him going. (laughs) Um. I bring it up because I don't. We it wasn't all recorded, but I cannot believe that this guy is still alive. <laughs> I can't believe it, and I'm not trying to be mean or like funny. It's just we were talking about this, and I honestly didn't believe he was still alive. I was like, "There's no fucking way he's alive." The dude was born in like 1915. Like that guy's dead. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyways, I just had to get that off my chest to to start off with. Uh, yeah, I've seen Spartacus, man. Who hasn't seen that Spartacus? Uh, this is one of uh, I should fa- file this under uh, grandparents' movies uh, mm-hmm. because, as I've mentioned many times, my grandparents had like six movies that we watched a lot, like Spartacus, The Ghost in the Darkness, uh, Turner and Hooch, Operation Dumbo Drop, just some other you, ones. You, you too, gotta but... make a letterbox list. Yeah, that's that's what yeah. I gotta do. But because uh, we, we always talk about this, but this was one of those ones, this and like Ben-Hur and Ten Commandments of the like. Double tapers. Like, double tapers. Yeah. Uh, the double box VHS uh, biblical epics. EP. So th- yeah. This one isn't necessarily a biblical epic, but it fits in with the genre. It's got that crucifixion. It does. It has a crucifixion. You feel bad. Uh, there's babies being killed. So it fits right in with the Bible. Uh, no, this was one that was routinely being played at my grandparents' house, so I I saw it a lot. Hmm. And on top, well, not a lot, but like as a little kid, it was one of those movies that was playing in the background a lot. Uh, on top of that, I do believe I saw this in school one time. Uh, so around the Easter time in the Catholic schools, uh, they show you the Ten Commandments. They show you Ben Hur. They show you that Prince of Egypt. They show you all that stuff. And I, I think one year. Uh, I think the teacher got a little lazy and was like, eh, here's Spartacus. He was like, does this have anything to do with Easter? And he's like, eh, whatever, just just watch Spartacus. It, it all it all works. So I think I even watched this in school, like in maybe, I don't know, like grade 8, grade 9 maybe. So I've seen Spartacus a few times. Okay. But it's uh, never as an adult, never at, since I've been keeping track of things. Okay. So this was the first time in a long time. The routine for what we always talk about is, Within five to 15 years, I haven't seen this. But uh, the better part of like 10 to 15 years, I think. 
hold up. I got to stop. My cat is in the closet. I got to take <laughs> it out. I'll be right back. I'll, pu- I'll lock my door. Oh, my God. I am not editing this out. Hello? Hi. Hello, are you there? Okay, I closed my door. She she won't come in this time. We're still here. She opened the closet. Does your cat open closet? No. How does she do that? Is her fucking know. weird spaghetti arms squiggling under there and Whew. Okay. Yeah, so I've seen Spartacus. <laughs> quite a few times but definitely not within the last like 15 years an honest 15 not an exaggerated 15 okay so this is first in a long time and uh i think the reason i was reluctant was because i think like you a while ago i was like man i gotta rewatch all these kubrick films now that i'm this big time movie buff that i'm this well-learned film student film podcaster a film podcaster yeah it's like I, I better better watch all those Kubricks again and I actually have this really nice like a uh, blu-ray set of uh, most of big stands movies not all of them but most of them and Spartacus is the first one and when I was re-watching all the Kubricks a couple years ago I didn't re-watch Spartacus because I was like I've seen it a bunch of times I don't even need to talk about it but uh I don't really know why I did that, but I think it's kind of like what you said. It is the least Kubricky Kubrick movie, I guess, yeah. because it's his work for hire. But I mean, on the whole, there isn't those like uh, shining elements where you like, oh yeah, that's a Kubrick thing right there. But I agree with you. I think it's a really good movie. Yeah. I think it's really well made. It's really entertaining. This thing's like, what, like th- over three hours yeah. long? Yeah. And uh, I popped this son of a bitch on Sunday morning, <laughs> uh, which is like the... I've, I've said many times, like, westerns, anything pre-1950 or, like, anything like that, like, old man movies, uh, biblical epics, all that shit, it's best watched, like, Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I, I popped this son of a bitch on at, like, I think 10 a.m., and I think I finished watching at, like, 3 p.m. So somehow it took me, like, <laughs> five hours, even though it's only three. Well, you're probably taking cats out of closets all night. Yeah, I was, I was stopping, uh, checking the cats. You know, you get some lunch. You go sit on the toilet. But uh, it took me a long time to watch. But that said, it didn't really feel like that long. Um, I actually – I was yeah. surprised at how well this movie kind of – flowed for me i guess is the word i'm going to use that heavy flow you know so i I was surprised at how how well it just kind of i i was just watching it like yeah there were a couple times where my attention kind of waned a little bit and i would look at the ceiling and not not quite like quite on but uh you know like i check my phone and stuff but then i just pop pop right back in and it was it was comfortable to me jared this is like a comfort food movie to me you can put it on and you can like go about your day and you just know that it's kind of there and you're watching but no it's it's really well made and i think it's one of those stories that I think is universally relatable because we've all been slaves. We've all been like, you so, know, okay. in the gladiatory games. Got to jump in here. So there's <laughs> okay. a, like one of the first lines. So there's like, so the movie begins uh, and lays down the, the, the floor plan the of this movie. If it's like, yeah, it's, it's the voiceover. Yeah. The voiceover narration that only really shows up at the beginning of the movie. And I don't know if you hear it again, maybe at the very yeah. end, but I think that's it. Um, 
and you get the whole recap of Spartacus's life up to this point. You don't have mm-hmm. to have like things with like King Arthur and going to brothels and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you're just like, oh yeah, here's he's a slave. He's all dirty and bearded, and he's in Libya, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a good dude, this Spartacus. But there's this line yep. of oh, like, this is two thousand years before slavery would die. And I just made the note or change because aren't we all just slaves to something else, man? And and then you wrote deep beside it mm-hmm. and you sent off your in, tweet. In caps. Yeah, deep, bruh. Yeah, but uh, even though you're a nerd and uh, all that, um, it's it's like I was saying, like, I don't know. I don't know why I think movies like these are relatable because it's like, well, yeah, no one of no one of uh, not us. We're not slaves. We're not gladiators. But there's something like relatable or something that you cheer for with like the underdog story, I guess. This is a hot take. No one has ever come across why underdogs are you root for them. So I think I'm I'm fresh to the game here. But no, I don't know. It's like one of those stories where you see this like hot young dude with his like super butt chin and his really stern face and the Johnny Unitas haircut. That, and the, he's the, just the top knot. Yeah, that top knot, you can set your watch to it, and you're just like, you're like, I'm rooting for you, man. You're trying your best. You're doing the right thing. You're, you're, you're experiencing hardships. You're, you're okay. So there's something about it that, even though it's a storyline that we see all the time and you're very familiar with, it's comforting, and it's entertaining at the same time and you're like yeah i'm into this it's like i want to i want this guy to do well and i want to be with him be with him while he's doing it Aww. so i'm not getting emotional all right i'm just saying like you're, you're, you're like you're like tony curtis i'm like tony curtis yeah no i'm just saying i've seen this movie a lot of uh, a bunch of times and the story and like the idea of this character kind of like uprising against whatever and breaking through it's not new, but in this, like, I don't know, what, 90-year-old movie with this 101-year-old man, <laughs> it's it's somehow still, like, fresh and entertaining. And you're like, yeah, man, this is really good because it's really well made. Like, Kubrick's a good dude, even when it's a movie that he had, like, no input on. He's like, all right, let's make a real, let's make a real movie. We'll make it good. There's some story, too, of him, like, showing up on set and, like, saying, uh, there's not enough light. And like, this is like after like the cinematographer had like spent all this time setting up yeah. a scene and like, that's like, that's how Kubrick rolled, man. And, uh, I guess uh, was, I think the, the guy like kicked a light over and he's mm-hmm. like, is that better? And Kubrick's like, no, no, there's too much light. Just <laughs> fucking no sold it. And, uh, it's like, yeah. yep, that sounds like, sounds pretty legit. After watching yeah. that, uh, that, uh, shining making of where he's just like, I'm here to get this job done. It's going to look right. Or fuck it so i think my favorite story about that was one i heard where he was like still editing the shining like a year after it was released like it was already out in theaters and mm-hmm. he was like still editing it it's like that's that's a man that's a fucking filmmaker man that's a he, that's a weirdo it's a weird dude yeah well, but he was cool he research. was right man oh man I, I wanted to see his napoleon so bad he, he he spent like fuck I can't remember twenty seven years researching a Napoleon movie that like mm-hmm. never really happened. And then he kind of made Barry Lyndon, which is essentially what his mm-hmm. Napoleon movie would have been. But yeah, that would have been something else. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, continue. I I think Spartacus is cool. Yeah. Uh, is my major point. Uh, I like the sand and so- sand 
sword, sword and sandal and sandal epic yeah uh that's my catholic school roots uh shining through yeah. here like i was saying man ten commandments just got drilled into you there so it was like that's a movie especially that it's like fuck yeah that movie is like comfort food like i'm, I'm trying really hard to watch that this weekend that ten commandments because it's been years since i've seen that on easter weekend and that mm-hmm. is because that that is actually an abc favorite for a year for a long, long time yeah. and yeah. now it's like i'm like it's been a while since i watched that thing i missed my vincent price and my uh my chuck heston yeah. and my uh yul brenner and yeah he, exactly he, yeah that's the other thing yul brenner was trying to make a spartacus movie at the same time it's you know what's weird there was another movie in the criterion collection where i was like just by chance i was i just looked up the movie and there was a thing in there was like yule brenner was like making a a companion film or a rival film at the same time and then he popped up in those uh orphic trilogy movies and like yule brenner's around the criterion collection a lot magnificent surprisingly (laughs) so yeah magnificent seven he's just on the he's just hovering on the edge he's just always on the edge yeah Yeah. but it's pretty uh, creepy yeah so i don't know like i think spartacus is actually a really well-made movie and yeah, yeah it's of course. long. <laughs> yeah yeah of course uh like it's I, long yeah <laughs> I, yeah it's long but i don't i mean don't start it like when you have something to do later mm. wait until a fucking sunday morning when you got nothing to do all day throw that son of a bitch on and just like watch a good movie but i don't know it's it's comforting to me and it's very nostalgic i guess it's something that a is really well known, like well treaded area for me. Uh, but I, I don't know, like even watching it now, there were, there were things that I really liked about it. And there were, it was mostly like some of the language that they used, I thought was really funny where they were talking and it's like when he goes to the gladiator camp and he's like, you will be oiled. You will be like haircut. You will be massaged. And I thought that was really funny. There was that fat guy sweating and he's like, fan his magnitude. He sweats. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was good. I loved how all the guys were wearing like Jan sport sweaters, like just with the sleeves cut off. Like it was clearly like sweatshirts that were maybe bought at a store. Probably okay. not, but that's what it looked like. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, Kirk Douglas's intense fucking face is so funny <laughs> in this movie. Sometimes like when uh, the people come to the gladiator camp and they're like, we want, show us your gladiators. We want to pick like some good ones to fight. And he's like trying to pedal off like the little dudes. He's like, oh, that one there is really good. It's like a really little dude because he doesn't want to give away his best ones. They're like, ah, no, no. They're like, what about that guy? He looks good. And it goes to Kirk Douglas's face and it's so fucking intense. It's just burning through the screen. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really awesome. Uh, I like some of the training things they do. Like when he's training his like, uh, his like outlaws or his band of like, rebellion dudes there's like big rocks swinging on ropes i think that's like the most overlooked but also best training scenario is gigantic swinging rocks <laughs> it's a common thing but it's nice yeah uh i really like the steam bathroom because there's scenes where there's like really fat dudes just sleeping on piles of towels and it's like yeah i, w- I would do that too and uh what else we got here mm, i got a few other things but uh my last note was fire logs. Nice. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that last battle is pretty good. Those fire logs. Not, and, en- not uh, enough, though. Not enough. Not enough. It's- but there is a sweet uh, delimming where he cuts off that guy's leg or something or his arm. That seems pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, 
So yeah, I'll kind of start at the top here with a couple of my notes. Uh, swooping camera, which I guess is like mm-hmm. actually uh, Anthony Mann's uh, uh, contribution, because there's like huh. this movie, like the shots and stuff like that. Like they're just like, whoa, this movie looks so good. Um, like I would say, yeah. like from that aspect, this movie just like looks a lot better than uh, Ben Hur does, other than mm-hmm. that chariot scene. Um, so I was curious, it's like, oh yeah, so. This movie's budget, I think it was like $1.6 million. It ballooned to $12 million. Oh, and uh, Kubrick's previous movie, Paz of Glory, cost like not even a million to make. And this is <laughs> like 1959, $1960. So you know, inflation is a, is a bitch. So yep. those numbers are a lot bigger. But yeah, it's like his. He, this movie was like twice the scale that he was used to working with. And I mean, I don't know how much that uh, 2001 cost, but... Not enough. Not enough. Uh, yeah, so yeah, just that was my next note there. The top knots. Uh, yeah, Peter Ustinov. Uh, he is so awesome and funny mm-hmm. in this movie. I love his, like, kind of like, he's like a slave trader, but he's like, act, he's mm-hmm. like so, like, inept. Uh, yeah, Batiatis. He is Batiatis. Uh, Let's go with that. Um, mm-hmm. He, I don't know. He, he, the writing for him is great. And then, like, later on, you get him and uh, Charles Lawton hanging out together. Uh, yeah. Future director of Night of the Hunter. Or previous, actually, this is after he's already directed that. Um, they're they're great. We had that wonderful exchange talking about corpulence. Corpulent uh, and cabbage. We, uh, and I quote, you and I have a tendency toward corpulence. Corpulence makes a man reasonable, pleasant, <laughs> and phlegmatic. Have you noticed the nastiest of tyrants are invariably thin? So, so good. Who, who, who can write that? Hmm? It's I know, isn't, isn't, it's like I said, the language, the, just the dialogue, it's awesome. Yeah. So I guess like, yeah, all these, these, these directors, these young guys, these like mm. Laurence Olivier's unruly lot trying to be subtle against like, for whatever reason, uh, fucking Kirk Douglas is like, no, you can't rein me in. You gotta let me be me, which is fine. Like he can be the yeah. big, the big hero and let the British actors all be British in like, plotty and stuff like that it works mm-hmm. it's, it's it works fun, wonderfully um but yeah you get to the gladiator school you get the montage of like <laughs> devices of doom and i'm like is this almost like i wonder how close this is to what a gladiator school was like back in the day mm-hmm. uh, i really like the painting demo of death where uh we're getting the big paint brushes oh, to demonstrate yeah. uh, how to kill a man uh quickly mm-hmm. slowly or just to cripple them i thought that's quite well done um, yep. and then we, cool. yeah, we get the selection process, uh, which mm-hmm. is like the thing you were referencing with the short guy trying to push him on the, mm-hmm. the, the, the these people who just swung by Crassius. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that, that is like, that seems like excellent. The, like, just like how mm-hmm. cold and indifferent the wives are. And they're just like picking these people and we yeah. even get a nice black cock, uh, joke thrown in there because even back in Excuse me? black cock, large black cock, RJ. <sighs> it's in there. You gotta edit this. You gotta edit this What's thing out, there? man. It's in the movie. It's in the movie. Aye, aye, aye. Um. Okay. So we get the we so we get the selection. We got uh Kirk Douglas. He's gonna be in that battle. He might have to kill his buddy, but he doesn't actually have to get to that point. But just mm-hmm. like the intelligence of the, the the filmmaking, where they decide, let's have it where we get Kirk Douglas and his Ethiopian friend sitting in the box waiting to go out and get killed mm-hmm. themselves and you all you hear is the off-camera fighting and you get to see kirk douglas like looking through the planks of the wood 
and you can see like glimmers of like the action going on and just like them intently sitting <laughs> waiting for their turn and it's just so brutal it's like fuck this is so good like this is so far ahead of like so much going on in like Hollywood movies at this time to like nail mm-hmm. a scene like this where it's like yeah these guys are one of these guys is going to die and they they just have to hang out with one another till that happens that's really fucked up it's like if you think about like an execution where it's like one man waiting to die on death row for like years it's like that's one thing cuz you can get kind of disconnected but this is like a scenario where it's like well you can you get a chance to like live again but then you might just die the next day or the next day after that um if you get injured i mean you're going to probably get infected and die anyway so what a life you might you might unless you get you the, might unless you have a helpful friend that helps you uh get take care of that with some maggots mm. um so we'll get there so chanel kind of at this point had like walked in and became really interested in the movie based on that uh that uh selection scene she was like well this movie is like, way more interesting than i thought and mm-hmm. then she was kind of like man these costumes and then she's like <laughs> she's like this kind of looks like star trek <laughs> and i went yeah yeah, yeah. I, I get that. It does look like Star Trek. Um, film, yep. Filmmaking technique has changed a lot. Like if you compare, if you take the story of like a contemporary movie and you place it in the 60s, there's really no way of getting around this sort of like set design and production value, like the mm-hmm. way things just look. Whereas now everything looks the same, the way that everything looked the same in the 60s. It's just things evolve uh, to an ev- like. Just someone innovates and then everybody rips it off. Go uh, on. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it when we get to those big uh, those, yeah. those those movies. We'll um, get there. So yeah, just the scene where um, uh, <laughs> you get the big fuck you to the Roman uh, hoi poi, uh, not hoi mm-hmm. poi, to the Richies and the trident, uh, the, the trident, trident scene. That, mm-hmm. that that Chanel's like fuck. I just want a movie about this guy. This guy's it's so yeah. amazing. It's so heroic. That's like one of the best <laughs> things I've ever seen. She like totally loved that. Did did she see the sequel that is a movie about the Trident Man that we watched that we'll get to later? Uh, we'll get there. Did uh, Chanel watch that? Because that's the no. sequel she was asking for. No, she she found other things to do. Ah, nice. Um, oh yeah, and then of course like he gets hung up as a warning to your trifling slave fighters. Alla, I couldn't help but think of uh, Morgan Freeman's fate in Unforgiven. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like oh, it's also a black man being just. Trophy, I guess, shown out. Here's your body. He's gonna be there till he rots. That's great. Then we get some. You, you heard it here first. Jarrett said that's great. That's great. Uh, we get the rebellion, and people get fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then this is a part again. Like, and then where, it goes into the political kind of, drama. It, it gets into the Roman politics. We get the chatter. We get the Senate. Yeah. All that stuff that is so much better done in the HBO show Rome. Again, another example of like modern filmmaking, just like capturing scenes and getting into scenes a little bit better. Uh, mm-hmm. I think than these movies try to do. They they couldn't they could have been done better then too, and they have they were, but in these broad stroke epics, they're kind of just like ah, oh, here's the scenes to set the stage for later on, but they're not done with like the greatest of care. Uh, but that one, the one scene though, of like making like the, the Romans fighting themselves, like the old fat guys chasing each other around with swords. And they're being like, I found that really disturbing <laughs> actually. Like it's a really <laughs> fucked up scene. It's like, Oh, it's like, it's one thing to be like, I don't, I don't know why that is, but it's just like grabbing people. And it's like, Oh, now you got to do it and turning mm-hmm. the tables. How does it feel to prove a point? It's like, man, that, that scene now, like if you made, if you shot that now, it would be like even more like obviously disturbing. Whereas in this, because it looks like star Trek, it's yeah. like kind of like, like, oh, ha, ha, they got what they got coming to them. But it's like, 
in this, you're like, hmm, maybe that's actually more off-putting. And it's just like like nothing special. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I was listening. Yeah. I'm not getting – there was – you you like paused for a second and I, I was going to say something and then I was like, wait a minute. And now here we are. So, or, so RJ, when you uh, were watching this on tape in school and stuff like that, was yep. the uh, oysters and snails scene in the, the copy? No, you watched? no, I, I've never, I've never seen that before, actually. So, and I don't know if it's that like intentionally, but like I, it's like I said, at my grandparents, I was just a little kid running around, so there were so many scenes that like you knew. I guess, like, so, just, but no, I, just, I didn't remember okay. that. So the history of that scene was uh, when the movie got, uh, the initial cut got released, and, like, wherever the Legion of Decency got to watch it because nice. that's how Hollywood worked, and they went, nuh mm-hmm. And so that scene got cut. And nice. so the footage remained in the vaults until 1991 when there was, like, the big restoration done by the guy who did Lawrence of Arabia's restoration around that same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that scene came along, but the problem was that they had the film, but they didn't have the audio, and Lawrence Olivier was dead. So mm-hmm. they had to, like, Tony Curtis, uh, Tony Curtis re-recorded his lines, and I think they got, like, a Lawrence Olivier sound-alike. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That scene is so funny to me because uh, it's, like, not – it doesn't belong in some weird mm-hmm. ways. Like, if it's not there, it feels normal. But because it's there, and maybe it's because, like, the way that they had to try to, like – recreate it with the new music over top of it and mm-hmm. there's this it just it just doesn't feel quite right in the way that's set like that music is so funny <laughs> it's uh, that scene um i did not remember that because uh, clearly i had never seen it no and i was watching it and i was like what is this <laughs> i was like this is a, this is a weird scene in here not not like that it didn't fit i was just like I don't remember this at all. Yeah. This has weird dialogue. This is a weird scene. It is. It is a really, it, it's very Kubricky too. Cause it's shot this ah, weird. It, I see it, what you did it, there. It, it, it seems like it could be in like a clockwork orange or something like that. Cause like the way the music is and the could weird, the, the weird high angle of it all. And just like yeah. strange stylized dialogue compared to everything else in the movie where everything's mm-hmm. very considered and spoken out loud and repetitive and it's like, huh, this doesn't, like, there's no other scene in this movie that's written in the same way. But it's also, like, shot through this, like, veil, this curtained veil in, a, in the, the tub in the hot water and shirtless mm-hmm. men. Yeah, real subtle. Talking <laughs> about vaginas and penises. What kind? The human kind mm. and, and what you do with them. Um. Yeah. So yeah. There's just like kind of like the, the movie always kind of feels like long and drawn out during the rebellion stuff because it's all very repetitive and it's like, ha ha ha, uh, isn't mm-hmm. this great? Oh, all these people are having families and children are being birthed and now they're starving. I gotta think about those kids. And then we get the entracte, the, the the break, the intermission. Um, and then I ask the question, Hey, RJ, have you ever watched HBO's Rome? That show was awesome, and you have not watched it. Uh, I've seen uh, that first the, episode. I've seen King Arthur by Guy Ritchie. Is that anything like the uh, political I, I, scenes? I, I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, you... So d- d- during all these scenes of like people off in the middle of the lands and like back lots and stuff like that, we get an old lady milking a goat and she squirts that kid right in the eye and she, she looks, sure does. And she looks right at the camera and wink. wink. I, feel, I feel like that was not 
what Kubrick would have done. <laughs> I don't think so. But then there's also a little baby, and it's the fattest little baby you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cute. Yeah. And I feel like Kubrick had some decency in his heart. So, yeah, here, here's where my notes are really not in this. Yeah. Uh, studs standing around in bathhouses. Yeah. Planning and plotting. Not the most dynamic of stuff, honestly. Kind of yep. reminding me of Ben-Hur's down spots. And then we get the big Roman battle. The big mm-hmm. They shot in a big field in Spain. Uh, it brings me back to the memories of watching Alexander Nevsky. And just like kind of watching yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. the shift of like 30s uh, Soviet like battle scenes, and then watching now we're now in like 1960 American battle scenes. We get those mm-hmm. rolling fire logs, and what yeah. I describe is not the funnest of stunt work. As dudes are like, I'm pretty sure they have like pant leggings on, but mm-hmm. like man, those Still. dudes are just like falling, like running full bore into these fucking burning logs. Like it's. So mm-hmm. it's pretty nuts. And then uh, we get the big kind of like rambling mash and then things turn bad for the slaves. And then we get the big dead, the big shot of the dead pile. Yep. Uh, All those dead bodies. They remind me of uh, the Simpsons when uh, they get the trampoline. And it's like it shows all the oh. dead bodies, and it scans out, and it's like the entire city yeah. of just like hurt kids. Yes. Nice. Yes, nice. Uh, and then we get finally, we get the big moment. We get the I'm Spartacus moment. And mm-hmm. that scene is still pretty fucking awesome. You know what's weird? Hmm. I always remembered it as I am Spartacus, not I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. And it was really like, I thought it was really off-putting for me for some reason because I was like, I'm Spartacus. That doesn't have the weight and the gravitas that but it's not, I am Spartacus. No, no, people Boy. don't talk that way. I would. Yeah. I am talking that way. Yeah. And then we get the big drawn out conclusion of uh, miles and miles and miles of men being crucified. And mm-hmm. it's like, what a beautiful image that is. Um, we get the big, the big heroic moment of uh, Kirk Douglas killing his buddy, Tony. Um, mm-hmm. So he doesn't get crucified himself. Taking it on the chin, that big glorious cleft of a chin. Ooh. And, Gross. Uh, but he's got a kid. We didn't win this one, kids. But mm-hmm. uh, slavery might have won this time. But hey, there's always there's always the next generation and mm-hmm. two thousand generations later. <laughs> We're still working on it. Still work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, like beginning of this movie is like really engaging. The end of this movie is really good. The Dime Spartacus thing is a uh, much parodied for a reason because it's so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone knows what it is. And uh, about selflessness and not giving up, not being a fucking snitch. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's, it's, not, called, it's not. It's called snitch snitchicus. I don't think you would. Uh, you would do it. Mm, I well, it's like it's the prisoner's dilemma. Uh, you don't know what they're gonna do in that other room, and uh, mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna rat you out. So you better rat out first. Get that deal. If it was between you and me. I would give you up in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. even if you were involved or not. So RJ, we huh. watched, we watched some other movies. We certainly did. So first, RJ, we both watched the Arena, a <laughs> a 1974 uh, Italian exploitation movie that mm-hmm. made the decision of like, hey, let's try to make like a sequel to Spartacus, but with sexy gladiator ladies. One of those is being Pam Greer. 
Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the ever sumptuous and seductive Pam Greer. Yeah, the jug's on that. You said it. You heard it here first. That's a hot take. Yeah. Yeah, so we watched The Arena, uh, which is, as you said, the 70s female version of Spartacus. And I have to say, and I know people are probably going to get mad at me, and people are going to call me a weirdo and a nerd. I watched this movie uh, in Italian without subtitles. Yep. Uh, It was not by choice. It was entirely because the version I was watching didn't have subtitles available. And at the point of the day, I had just watched uh, Spartacus and I was about to watch the other three hour epic we were just talking about. And I really needed a break. So this was actually a really nice little breather in between. But so I watched this movie in Italian and I don't speak Italian. Mm -hmm. So I think I got the gist of it. Uh, there was a lot of rape. There oh, yeah. were s- slaves. Yes. Uh, there was one scene. So, if you if you mind, I would like to take the the oh, reins I'm, here for a minute. Go for it. And uh, describe what this film is. Uh, so it starts off with uh, a bunch of ladies in robes. It looks like a cult of some sort out in the forest, or like Wiccans or something. Br- Br- British British ladies, pagan ladies, okay. out, out out in England. Pagan. The- it's okay. So I was close. Yeah. Wiccan and pagan. That's almost some, the yeah. same. So like, okay, I'll, I'll tell you what I thought this movie is about. And you can tell me if I was actually. I yeah. Because I actually watched it with an English dub because I there, know how computers in the internet work. Okay. That might be, that might be true, but we'll never know. Uh, so you get some pagans and then they get assaulted by some Romans and they all get scooped up. Uh, then you go to, you see the women in the gladiatorial training well, they, camp. They get sold first. Yeah, they get sold in a scene where they're all about to be raped, but then the lady seller protects them. And then they get sold to the gladiator Coliseum things and they all work in the kitchen. But one at one point, one lady doesn't like what the other lady is doing and they have a cat fight in the kitchen and uh, someone throws a chicken at Pam Greer from off screen and there's flour and people are getting pies in the face. And one of the Roman dudes is like, hey, man, you better come check this out. It's Foxy. There's Foxy ladies fighting each other. And they're like, ooh, shit. That's, and uh, it, ga- it gave them an boxing. idea. Yeah, it's Foxy boxing. And they're like, ooh, shit, you know what we should do? We should get these ladies being the gladiators. So they throw them out there. And Pam Greer is the, I'm guessing, child of the large black man from Spartacus who fights with this uh, trident and the arm armor mm-hmm. uh because she sports that look now uh none of these women wear bras uh that was a note Jarrett said to me off screen i just wanted to mention it because he's a pervert uh they're fighting in the gladiatorials i i, I believe I, I don't think i actually wrote that i do believe i sent you a message saying the carpets don't match the drapes yeah and i was a little thrown off by that i didn't really know what you meant but uh i thought maybe it was a line in the movie but we'll so, never know so innocent rj We'll never know. Uh, and then there's an uprising, and the women flee, and that's the end of the movie. There's another rape scene, though. Oh, yeah. And it's don't, grisly. Don't be a woman in an don't Italian exploitation movie. In any in any, in any movie. form. You're just going to get raped, it seems. Yeah. Especially these Italian movies. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so that was uh, my watching of this movie entirely in Italian that I... 
I don't know. That's it. What did you think of the arena? The direct sequel to uh, Spartacus? Yeah, yeah the this, this spiritual sequel, at least. Uh, yeah, this movie is like, it's an Italian piece of sleaze. Uh, yeah. I didn't mind watching it at all. Uh, it was like always just like every like sometimes you can watch these like every character so broad they have like the the screechy gay man who always has to remind you that he's gay and he has no interest mm-hmm. in these women and he's always like why would I be interested in that like it's just <laughs> that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, really brings you back to a, a a better time in filmmaking apparently some might say uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's exactly what you expect. Uh, it's not a good movie, uh, but it was entertaining. So I'd say it's worth a watch if you're again like I always my caveat is if you're interested in like Italian exploitation movies, uh, check this out. One thing I didn't really get a touch upon uh, mm-hmm. talking about Spartacus and especially when talking about Ben Hur is that these movies were such big hits that it inspired yeah. like an entire like genre of films in Italy the the peplum. Uh, genre, which is just sword and sandal movies, and they made like uh, like uh, like 160 of these things. They made uh, mm-hmm. probably not as many like as westerns. They made a lot of spaghetti westerns, but this was like just came just before the western thing kicked off. And man, those movies like those posters are so sweet. Mm-hmm. Mario Bava got in on the action. Those Hercules movies, and they're a lot more on the fantasy side, I'd say. Um, yeah. Than like historicals because like how many historical stories are there that you can tell about certain people when you're like well we can just make tons of stories up about like Hercules and Samson and et cetera et cetera and f- fighting colossuses yeah. and whatnot and I would have loved to get more into those but I didn't have time. Can I mention something really quick? I was looking at these peplum movies as well. Yeah. And uh, there is like. A million fucking Samson and Delilah, Delilah movies. Yeah. A million. Like, and I just noticed there is a new one that just got fucking released like this year. Why is there so many Samson movies? Public domain and people like the Bible. But I mean, it's not like, I, I don't know, man. I've read some of the Bible. I don't feel like it's a huge story there. Yeah. But okay, Samson 2018. Starring Rutger Hauer, Billy Zane. at the movie mill. What the... Like, why? Who gives a shit about Samson? I don't know, man. Honestly, Paul Paul just came out. Paul? Yeah. Oh, Apostle Paul? Yeah. Hmm. With uh, Jim as uh, Luke. Jim Cavill. Yeah, Yeah, like, why wouldn't... Why wouldn't he be Jesus again? why, Why is Mel Gibson making another Jesus movie? Because we want it. No, Fans demand it. No, no one demands it. Uh, anyway, so yeah, the arena is there. And there's like all these other yep. movies I would like to see. I had like, because uh, I wanted to watch Anthony Mann's uh, epic uh, that he made instead of uh, uh, Spartacus, which was El Cid, which is like a Spanish historical thing. But the Moors, which like, I'm like, it sounds like it could be okay. Uh, I want to watch these big epic scale movies one day. But all these movies are always three hours long. It's like. There's only so much time in the day. There's fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, going back, there's like uh, mm-hmm. Quo, Quo Vadis, which is another Anthony Mann um, co-directed movie. With, uh, yeah. Anyway, there's so many. There's so many of these movies. But, man, sometimes you got to focus and you just got to like, I don't know. It's not like these movies speak to my heart. It's just kind of like these are neat and they're fun to watch. They're afternoon viewing. You can do other things. It's like Westerns. But actually, mm-hmm. I'd say the Westerns are like way better made because they're way more lean, mean. Lend themselves to better stories. Uh, mean, mean, and obscene. Obscene sometimes. <laughs> so, arena. Uh, yeah, it's 
a movie that's there. Yeah. <laughs> Not much else to say. Yep. But you know what? We do have a lot to say about. Uh, well, yeah. So RJ started. Or are we there yet? Well, we could talk about it. It doesn't matter what order we talk about it. RJ's like, yeah. hey, you're you going to watch Gladiator? You're going to watch Gladiator? Well, you talk about Gladiator yeah. first. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know what? It fits into my need to like watch all the best picture movies and rewatch best pictures I haven't seen for a very long time. And one of those movies is Gladiator because it is like just mm-hmm. like it's fits it's in the ballpark it fits along with these um it's a big time movie uh mm-hmm. and I, it's, it's been a while since i'd seen it i have like really f- like uh specific memories about seeing this movie like on a matinee and loving it thinking it was super awesome and eating taco time afterwards you and your fucking taco time <laughs> i've had it up to here with you uh, for whatever reason I, I remember very specifically talking about gladiator over some uh crisp meat burritos Crisp meat, crisp, crisp beef, crisp beef burrito. Ugh, gross. Oh, come on. Okay, anyways, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> tell, so, tell tell me about Gladiator. So Gladiator, I saw that you recently rewatched it, and I remember you talking about it on the show, and you were kind of yeah. like, eh, it's not as good as I remember." You're talking about like some dodgy CGI and stuff like that, but I don't know I, what you're talking about, RJ. This movie is yeah. like, I so for me, like I was, I put this on my scale of like. Best Picture winners, and this movie is like definitely in the upper echelons of uh, those. Um, it's like not in the top ten or anything like that, but on the whole, mm-hmm. there's like some great filmmaking. This is like maybe the last good Ridley Scott movie. Pretty sure it actually is. Um, Russell Crowe is a movie star. He is like so awesome in this movie. Uh, there's there's a reason why. He, it's it's kind of sad that he like never. I guess lived up to expectations because he's kind of in a weird place where he's like just Russell Crowe now. And it's like, he's okay yeah. here and there, but he takes on a lot of movies where he's just a guy and it could be anybody. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of like forget that this was my introduction. I believe to Joaquin Phoenix. Like, I don't remember really him mm-hmm. outside of this beforehand. And like, he is such a good villain. I think because there's like, it kind of makes sense what he's doing from his perspective of being this entitled rich kid who like has been raised to do whatever he wants. And mm-hmm. when he's told, Oh, by the way, you can't do that anymore. And, uh, I, I, it, it's like played really well. Uh, there's like large swaths in this movie that like, I'm like, I don't remember this at all. Like, like I can't, like it's in my mind, the whole mm-hmm. opening sequence of like the big battle. I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember this. And then, uh, how do we get from him winning the battle to being told that he was going to become, emperor to like you're going to like take down the system and pass the power back to senate to mm-hmm. the betrayal to him like being like attempted executed but it doesn't work out great <laughs> and then uh his family is like just crucified and you're like oh that <laughs> that all happens like over the course of 45 minutes in my mind i'm like oh, it's like the first 20 minutes so i'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah this like takes a lot longer to play all out which makes sense uh, that's a lot that's a lot of things I, I'm not sure why his family has to get killed. Um, that seems just like that. That's just it's their the thing. That, that's where it's like the uh, like a revenge western essentially. And he gets waylaid. Gets he has to get he gets gets found by because uh, uh, he's what Spain Spanish. He gets found by some slavers and they just go hola. This guy's passed out. Let's go uh-huh. enslave him. It's like okay. And now he's now he's gonna get trained by uh, Oliver Reed, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna have some some gladiatorial training because that's what yep. these movies all have and then he's really but he's really good at killing folk um, how good 
he's the best. Okay. Yep. And he just fucking kills people left and right. He winds up getting so good. And and then, uh, oh, Joaquin Phoenix, he wants to win the people over back in, in Rome. And so he brings back gladiatorial battles in the Colosseum. And everyone loves it because it's like Trump's America. There's like some real insightful dialogue about like playing the people for fools. And you just give them entertainment and they'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, real timely political uh, dialogue there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get like the whole thing of like, a back and forth between uh, Maximus and uh, Emperor. And uh, it's kind of like, man, you just fucking kill him. Oh, you can't do that. You, it's because it's a movie. It's like, whatever. Uh, just like from a visual standpoint, the influence this movie has is ridiculous. How everything <laughs> just like proceeded to rip off this movie and re- like the stuff that really Scott figured out to make this movie work. Um, there is like kind of the ropey CGI in this movie, but I'd say that on the whole, it Mm -hmm. like, look, I mean, it's fine. Like most TV shows looked about the same as this now. And this is 18 years later. So, um, the tiger scenes are like pretty like good. Like they're way better than the bear scene in game of Thrones, which was like, I I was constantly thinking of game of Thrones watching this because like game of Thrones essentially had the same same uh, realization that Peter Jackson had when he watched Braveheart of like, hey, let's apply this sort of like aesthetic and storytelling to these fantasy stories because people really like fantasy if it's told well. And it just <laughs> took like 50 years for people to figure it out. Um, trying to think of other things. The the score in this movie, that uh, Hans Zimmer score, uh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good, it's he good. says. It's good. Hey, it's okay. I, I got to say... That song of uh, the where he's in the wheat fields is like the best shit ever. I love that thing where he's just like walking through the wheat in his like heaven place and that music's playing. Mm. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Did, did you get to see this in theater? I did. Oh, cool. I did. Actually, so uh, funny story. I believe this came out the same year as uh, The Phantom Menace. Uh, year after. A year after? Yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of a totally different movie. Because that I, was 99 and this was 2000. Okay, never mind. I For some reason, I thought it was playing at the same time. doesn't yeah. matter. But uh, I did see it in theaters as a little kid. And then uh, my dad had the, I think it was a double pack VHS. I think. It was like a two VHS pack. I watched that some bitch sometimes. Yeah. I believe. Uh, the reason I asked about the theater thing is because like, this movie, I think, is like so perfect for a theater like yeah. you, you know that like this movie was made to be seen on a theater screen like all those shots of like the way the mm-hmm. Coliseum are filmed like everyone's in full frame like you see their whole body in relation mm-hmm. to one another like it's like yeah this is like a super cinematic experience yeah uh yeah I don't know I think this movie's really cool it's like it's not it's not faultless it does have like a mm-hmm. quite a like it's got some problems it's got some weird clunkiness that's like not perfect but at the end of the movie I'm just kind of like yeah no I really like that movie this is like and then especially when you look over like I mean again on the, on the continuity of like best picture winners you go yeah no, this movie's definitely uh, better than a lot of stuff mm-hmm. uh so I did watch this like not even a year ago. So yeah. there is evidence of me watching it on this podcast. I think uh, so for me, I remembered it being way bigger because I think it's like if it came out in 2000, I did see it in theaters. I think my brother probably took me. So I would have been 10. And I remember at the time I was just like, whoa, I was like, this is the craziest shit I ever seen. Yeah. So I had this like 
I think that's part of it. I was like, man, this movie's fucking huge. And I didn't watch it for five to 15 years, let's say. And uh, I remember when I watched it last year, I was like, yeah, I still really like it. It's just it's not as good as I had remembered it to be. And I don't think the CGI was what I had a problem with. Maybe there's that someone could go back and listen to it and tell us. I think what it was is there's this thing. I don't like it in any movies. There's this thing in movies where they do like the slow down action bit where it's like oh. action is going on and then it slows down, but it's like kind of choppy. This is the movie that where that started, I think. Yeah, like I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't like that. I think, well, to think though, it, it's like kind of going back and watching like probably the Matrix and seeing Bullet Time, and yeah. then like watch Gladiator, which is like kind of going against that and like kind of trying to figure out how do you uh, elicit. It, actually, it's not this movie. It's also probably, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, it, it does that kind of like over-cranked camera kind of effect where everything's kind of more, it's 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 handheld, shaky, and there's lots of dirt being thrown around and desaturated and color corrected. Uh, yeah. th- th- this is the era of that. And at the time, this is exactly what, this was like groundbreaking visually. Uh, yeah. but, but now that it's been done to death, it's kind of weird to go back and go, oh, but this because this movie did it so well, it looks like it's like, oh, it's just, looks like that now but it's like no this movie like really figured those things out to make it look this way so i I get that but at the same time i'm like i'm I'm not going to fault this movie for it it's gonna be like the movies that are like still like in like you know 2010 shooting this sort of way and you're like Mm -hmm. right or you know sex movies today sex snyder yeah uh he was like it's still who's like taking it to a whole new level Mm. um qtes quick time (laughs) events um yeah yeah exactly that's what i mean so like i i hate that i just don't think it looks good like just play that normal speed or like actual slow but it's like i don't know you knew exactly what i was talking about though hey well it gets well ridley scott gets worse with it too like uh, there's that movie mm -hmm. of his uh or no tony scott his brother he did that domino and fuck i i i i do i i do not like tony scott like he kind of like uh, he is he, he makes so many shitty decisions that really Scott never made. Uh, but like really Scott is also probably one of the most like overrated directors, like of all time. Like, sure. He made like two, like all time classics that are like mm-hmm. of all of the film canon. He made alien, he made blade runner, but, and I guess even like, I've never actually seen Thelma and Louise. That movie's probably pretty good, but man, he's, he made a lot of shit. There's a lot of crap under his belt. And he mm-hmm. doesn't, and he doesn't get shit enough for that stuff. But anyway, he made Gladiator, and Gladiator is like a super solid movie. People love it. Uh, the violence in this movie is very greatly appreciated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Gladiator. No, Glad- Gladiator's good. I like Gladiator. I'm glad you rewatched it because I think the reason I wanted you to rewatch it again was because I rewatched it, and yeah. we have to do everything together. That's why you together. have to watch King Arthur. King Arthur. Uh, okay. So I watched Gladiator. That was the best picture winner rewatch. And yes, it was. There's, there's, and then you, it dawned upon, was like, hmm, what's another, like, action movie that's, like, if you put it in this, like, timeline mm-hmm. of, like, Alexander Nevsky goes to Spartacus, and then we jump ahead, and it's like, what, before Gladiator, there was another Best Picture winner that was also a rewatch for Jarrett, and it also stars this guy, this guy named Mel Gibson, and I understand, RJ, mm-hmm. that you're a fan of Mel Gibson, and this I movie, Braveheart... It, it had to be watched again. <laughs> and for my convenience, it was on Netflix. And I understand you have several copies of Braveheart. And it's been a while since you watched it. I own two copies of Braveheart on DVD. And I own a, a third copy of Braveheart on the double VHS. Right. I own many copies of Braveheart. Uh, I haven't talked about my main man, Mel, the fallen son, for a while. 
I don't know how long, so new listeners might not be aware. I fucking love Mel Gibson. I think he is awesome. He is so charismatic. He's so cool. Yeah, he said some bad stuff. Yeah, he did some bad things. But there's way worse. Look at Matthew Broderick. He killed that fucking family. (laughs) Nobody talks about that. I'm going to bring this up until people fucking know. Nobody <laughs> talks about it. He killed a whole family or something, and he paid them off for like 800 bucks. He's never so said, and he's never apologized to the family. He's never apologized. He's like, fuck it. They're, they were Irish or something. He's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so he's a way worse dude than Mel Gibson. Okay. Anyways, uh, I'm glad he's in. he's coming back, and I feel like an idiot because I didn't realize when we were, when you we were talking about Spartacus week, I was like, well, fuck. There's a Mel Gibson companion piece right there because we got to try to always get the companion pieces for Mel. So we watch Braveheart, man. I haven't seen Braveheart in many years, possibly five to 15. I I can't be certain. I used to watch Braveheart a lot when I was younger. Not a lot, but I mean, like maybe once a year I would throw Braveheart on and be like, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, I still love this movie. I think it's really good. I think there are certain problems of dating (laughs) that uh, there are certain elements that are a little bit dated especially in i don't want to say plotting but in ways certain scenes unfold it's like hmm wait a minute in certain staging of the movie you're kind of like i don't i see wait a minute i'm gonna say that i don't think it's dated i think it's very mel gibson mel gibson Maybe. Okay, so when I was watching this, I was really thinking about Hacksaw Rich a lot. Yeah. Because of the way it's like, it's the exact same idea, but, and it's like got the same, like best parts are like very, like the best parts are the same in both movies. And then the the worst parts are the same in both movies. It's really, it's kind of like, oh yeah. I'm curious how uh, Apocalypto holds up if I go back to that sometime. You know what? I'm fine with that. If Mel Gibson keeps remaking the same movie over and over again, but in different genres of wartime, I'd be totally okay with that. I still think that that Vikings movie with him and Leo that we never got would have been fucking amazing. It would have been so good. The violence in that. That's one thing Mel Gibson, everyone loves. That violence, man. That's that's, that's, that's where he excels. He excels, yeah. So we watched Braveheart. And uh, I still think that uh, this movie holds up quite a bit for me, but I am extremely biased and I am super nostalgic for this thing. Uh, I forgot how I think that he actually does away with the romantic stuff pretty quickly. It's like 20 minutes, maybe, maybe half an hour. Yeah, after she uh, gets uh, the attempted rape bit and then he (laughs) saves her, but then she just winds up getting her throat slit anyway for her troubles. Yeah, and you're like, nice. Then No more Uh, ladies, no more ladies for William Wallace. No, uh, the rest of it is just blood and man's asses and freedom. Yeah. Um, so I, I was like, oh shit. I was like, I didn't realize that that got uh, put away so fast in this movie. But, uh, there are certain scenes in this movie that, uh, I get all hot and bothered over make me queasy. That freedom scene is pretty nice. I think, I think that scene in general is really well filmed. Like, um, when he looks into the crowd and his ladies walking around, maybe not well filmed is the right word. I think it's touching, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, I really like that. 
uh, the battle scenes, not the first one, but the the second two big battle scenes are awesome. There, when there's like limbs getting cut off, there's like mm, so hammers I, going in the brains. D- disagree. So not, you don't think those are good? The first action scene is super frustrating because okay. it is like so it's so bloodless, and I'm yep. like, I, so like I was uh you'd watch it before me, and then I watched it I think the next day, and I remember messaging being like, what the fuck is this? It's like that yep. guy like this leg just got cut off, and there's no like blood splurt, and I was like, what? This is brutal. This is like PG stuff. Like people are just yeah. getting maimed left and right, but there's like no squibs. There's nothing happening. Where's the where's the mm-hmm. where's that Mel that I know and love? And then the the subsequent battles afterwards uh, double down. It seems like maybe the MPA like only watched the first <laughs> hour and then went, yeah, it's good, it's fine. And then he was like, <laughs> and he just packed it all in the, the back half that he knew no one mm-hmm. would see. But yeah, those, those those like two big battle scenes afterwards are awesome pretty good there's there's some really good stuff uh there was one thing that when i was a little kid it really bugged me i don't like the scene when they spike all the horses oh yeah like their great battle plan because i always thought that um when i was really little like when i was like because i watched this when i was maybe like 10 or i don't know i I was a little kid when i watched this and uh i thought that really happened like i thought movies were real i think and like I thought they really killed those horses for the movie and I was just like man that's sad I was like I don't like that part so I'd always fast forward that part but uh, the rest of it you know when guys were showing their butts getting arrows in their butts and stuff like that I thought that was all cool uh, I think there are some really unintentionally hilarious parts like uh, <laughs> no kidding when, uh, like like the uh, the leper in the tower Robert the Bruce's dad yeah there's a scene where like uh, so on the record i think robert the bruce is awesome i don't know why i just think every scene with that guy is really good and i feel bad that that guy isn't in more stuff but i did notice that this year there's going to be a movie called robert the bruce and he will be in that movie so that's pretty cool so that's good to know that he uh, really branched off from braveheart but I think that guy's awesome. I love all the scenes with him. My, but my, really uh, cool... I only know about him is that he he feels like he like walked off of a Kevin Smith movie. He might have. Yeah. He might have. I don't know. I honestly don't know what it is. I don't think he's like a great actor or anything. I just all the scenes with him. I'm like, this guy rules. I like Robert the Bruce. But there's a scene where he like runs in the tower and he's like, father. And he kicks the door open and it's just the leper guy. <laughs> and he's just like standing there and it zooms in. And for some reason, it's like. How is this in this movie? I don't I don't get it. And uh, the other scene that I think is like not even unintentionally hilarious is just hilarious is uh, so when the the English king is talking to like his his gay son and uh, the guy his son his boyfriend is trying to give him like oh military God. advice uh-huh. and uh, he's like who are you to tell me he's like I'm a master strategist and he's like oh really and he like takes him like over the arm or over the shoulder he's like tell me about your great plan and they're like walking he's like well this is what I would do and he's like oh yeah really interesting and he gets to the window and he's like Ah! <laughs> he just throws the fucking guy out the window. It's hilarious. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, man. That could be in any movie, in any situation. It could be like a lady who like messed up a cake and another lady would be like, oh, you put the jam in the wrong spot? Oh, that's okay. Let me, let's, let's walk. Ah! And then throw you out a window. Like, it's hilarious. I love that. It's so funny. Yeah, you're I not laughing. No, that yeah, no. I that's you, like that. That's pretty. That's like the that's so broy. 
That's a bro scene, dude. Because it's like awesome. Because the gay. Because I remember when people talked about that movie, they they talk about the arrow to the butt, and they talk about oh, then they throw the queer out the window. That's that's like most people's relationship with that movie is they throw the queer out the window, and I go, of course, and that's like why because because the guy's a he's he's a weakling and he's bad because he's gay, and it's like oh, Mel. I think he wasn't wasn't doing himself any favors back in 1995 either. I think those um, people are looking too into it. It's like I said, nothing, if it was like two ladies, if it was like two ladies and they were talking about cake and one of the cake ladies threw the other lady out the window, I would still think it was hilarious. That would be a comedy. And then this movie's yeah, like a straight epic. So it's a very different thing. Cause that would be like, it's supposed to be first school. Whereas that it's like, it is funny. Cause Mel Gibson thinks it's funny and, yep. it's, and it's why it's there. But at the same time, I'm like, Oh yeah, the king just killed the guy, and like yeah, you could just kill anybody, and no one would give a crap, and because that's the way that things were back in like twelve fifty, uh, mm-hmm. when you were the king, when you were Patrick McGowan, the prisoner, throwing just do whatever the yeah. fuck you want. Mm-hmm. Um, classic, classic. So the, the the funniest scene for me that I don't know is like unintentionally hilarious or mm-hmm. supposed to be hilarious is the dream sequence. Uh, Which one? Wh- the one where like the 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 one uh, Scottish. Lord betrays William Wallace's cause. He, they like ride off, and he's like laying in bed in his gown, and he's like having a oh. dream of William Wallace coming back to get him. And he's like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus, oh no, God, oh. And he wakes up, oh, what a dream. And then in comes actual Mel Gibson on a horse in this gigantic bedroom that he's in, that he sleeps yep. right by the fucking doors. And with you're like, mace. and he he rides in with the mace, and he's just standing there. And you're like, oh, is this another dream? Nope. He caves his head in, and his head like, and his <laughs> explodes I, I i i fuck i laughed so much because it's like what a fucked up scene like that is so weird and that is that's so mel um, and then he rides the horse off yeah. a, a fucking and, like window into a river right yeah it's fine it's all good it's like it's wait was, was, that, was that it's like was that a dream no that actually happened in this movie that yeah it's such a strange thing Okay, I think, so I think Braveheart's awesome. So this movie I slot into my vanity projects folder with like yeah. some because I'm like, wait, this movie was directed, starring, mm-hmm. and like oh, Mel Gibson's ridiculous in this movie. He his his fucking Scottish accent is so like annoying. It's like it's always he's bring, trying his best. It, it brings attention to itself. It's just like when he's in Hamlet with his mm-hmm. dyed blonde hair and he's doing the Shakespeare things. Like he is just not this type of actor. Um, and it's just like to him and like the fucking the William Wallace look the like oh I'm just a poor Highlander my me father was killed and oh I'm I'm just a bog trotter off the land and oh but it's like no you William Wallace wasn't he was a fucking like learned lord who spoke Latin and spoke um, French because he was trained to and so in the movie. We, we just get a scene where he does know that stuff too and it comes out of nowhere and you're like <laughs> what you're surprised I don't know that and you're like well yeah because it goes completely against the character that's been established of just like a guy who's just like oh jeez I just hope like one day I get to meet a girl and just get to live a regular life here in oppressed Scotland by the tyrannical English and then suddenly oh no the English tried to rape my girl now I'm now I'm fired up he's like such a like oh, I hate, he's really distracting to watch you this love Mel Gibson no He's just, he doesn't have, I don't know, whatever. He's got that confidence and swagger that makes him who he is. But at the mm-hmm. same time, he's very misguided in like what, how he is, should be in movies. And which is why he's like stepped away from, he's not in his movies anymore. 
So maybe he learned that lesson because when mm-hmm. you like, he probably watches this movie now and goes, "Boy, I look like a dork in this." Like the whole like the blue makeup shit and like mm-hmm. the, him riding around. It's like if you like look up the illustrations of William Wallace, he wore armor, he wore a helmet because he's not an idiot. He's not just like uh, he he was like the most important part of the thing. He also takes his one arrow in the head and he'd be dead rather than like, oh, "I don't care, I'm reckless, I'm a free spirit." Now let's go mm-hmm. let's go watch a football game. Oi oi. It's like no, he's not. He he. Uh, it's, it's goofy, goofy stuff. It's but it's like this movie is like legendary for its mm-hmm. um, its uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, in a like was it historical it, inaccuracy? There you go. It's no okay. for that. It's real bad. Like none of it makes sense. Like the the depictions of everybody make no sense. It's just because we got to make the bad guys bad and as bad <laughs> as possible, and we have to make the good guys really good because they don't do anything wrong, and uh, that's what it's going to be. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, my, I've never, I've never really liked this movie a gr- lot. Like, it's not, I, I don't, I don't dislike this movie. I, it's fine, but I just have never been crazy about it. Not in proportion to like how people love this movie. Like when this movie came out, like in '95, I mean, it was huge. It was mm-hmm. this runaway movie. It won ten Oscars. Um, and like when this movie came out on tape, I remember seeing the standees. I remember seeing that fucking uh, mm-hmm. Mel Gibson standee at every video store, every mm-hmm. everywhere you went. That store, that thing was there forever and ever and ever, until Titanic mm-hmm. came out, basically. Um, so I get it. People really are into this movie. I just think it's okay. Uh, the violence is good, but I mean, like I said, I wasn't like, I've, it felt so much like Hacksaw Ridge in a lot of ways where it's like mm-hmm. really hokey. Um, and it's kind of like earnest in a kind of a dorky way. Um, and there's just these things where it's like this, like that scene of him and his girl walking, <laughs> looking, looking longingly at one another back and forth. Mm-hmm. There's like all this like unnecessary slow motion and stuff like that. I was just like, Mel, you're better than this. You know what, Jared? Yeah, I think this is where the podcast ends. Perfect. I mean, we've, we've been going a long time here. I don't mean the episode. Oh. I mean the podcast in general. Yeah. Because uh, you you didn't say any cruel words against my man Mel, but I don't like the attitude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you heard it here first. Uh, we both agree. Braveheart is holds up. It is a certified classic, and uh, everybody likes it. Yep. And Mel Gibson's a cool dude. Mm-hmm. So RJ, uh, who hates Spartacus? <laughs> oh God, I don't know. Lay it on me. Okay, let's run through these. Okay, half a star. Joe Krieger. This isn't a Stanley Kubrick movie. You can't convince me otherwise. Come on. Okay. Get. Come a- on. Alun, nineteen ninety eight. One star. Why is Kubrick so boring? In all caps. What? <laughs> Why is Kubrick so boring? Come on. Catherine Bollinger, one and a half star. Ugh, I did not like this movie at all. Battle scenes and marching scenes were way too long, and the whole thing was just so American. If I'm going to watch a 200-minute epic, it better be culturally sound, or at least to make a half-hearted effort. Everyone just sounded so American. Also found the score to be mediocre and uninspiring. What? Yeah. Mediocre and uninspiring. That's crazy that the American <laughs> epic is American. Silly. Silly. Oh, culturally sound. Uh Bill Robinson, two stars. Last one here. This movie was made for someone other than me. <laughs> the production <laughs> okay. of it is truly amazing. Thousands of extras marching in harmony. 
but this is a pure melodrama and bad melodrama at that. Even if Olivier, uh, Lawton, Austinov, and Douglas, it's a bad melodrama. Trumbo script is above all boring, just freaking boring. This thing is a slog and is unworthy of having Kubrick's name on it. The music is horrendous. Ugh, what a shit show. I don't really understand like a lot of these people's problems. It's like it was boring. Oh, it was messy. It was. Uh, it's like it's, it's the, not for me. That's fine. That's a fine thing. But it's like I don't know. You movies aren't for me either. But eh, eh. yeah. But you know what? You grow up. You be an adult and you get over it. You like suck, me. Suck it up. Exactly. You're the, you're the most mature person I know, RJ. I've been told that by many people. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm tired, and cookies aren't going to bake themselves. So let's end it right there. All right. After the break, uh, RG's going to do me the favor and kill me and get crucified because he's a good dude. Is that – did you know about that plan? Well, you're the most mature person I know. Let's get to it. You got that baby on the way. Huh? crucified or like am i gonna have to kill you and get crucified oh you don't even have to sweeten the pot with crucifixion i'll do it just tell me tell me when and where i'll be there yeah at the end of the the gates of rome the gates of rome yeah no i'll be there dude just tell me when you can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com uh we're lonely over here but we got that Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We got that Patreon page. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, all that stuff. Maybe even subscribe or rate us if you haven't already. Please do. Next week, spine number 106. Coup de Torchon, directed by Bertrand Tavernier from 1981. Uh. Sounds awfully French to me. I don't like the sound of that it at all. It doesn't feel like we're going to be getting a uh, Mel Gibson movie out of this one, RJ. What about Edge of Darkness? Uh, <laughs> that would be a... We have to go with the, the British miniseries, Edge of Darkness. No, no. No, no. You can, do, you can watch Edge of Darkness all day long. And Blood Father or whatever it's called. That movie rules. Did you ever watch that? Did that make you watch that? You did. That movie's dope. Yeah, it's, again, fine. Good night, folks. 
Real chump, you Wait, know that? This is a long episode, dude. Is it? Oh my 